please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Good evening, Jim. Good evening, David. I, that's the first night that I've actually had it set up so that I can listen to the uh, the intro music rather than watching a progress bar. So it was yeah. bop. I was sitting over here and I was like, yeah, you know, here goes. That's good. Um, that's good. So, yeah, uh, we got an episode tonight. How about that? Um, we got a lot of stuff to cover. Just little stuff, but bigger, bigger topic, yeah. right? So, um. We had some new stuff we wanted to talk about. Um, I forget exactly what we were discussing before the show, but I know there were some news items we really wanted to. Uh... I would, I would like to ask people: make sure you subscribe, please. We, yeah, like subscribe. It looks like we have a low subscriber count, but we have a high listener count. Well, I know we have more really people be... listening than than are subscribed. And if you want to come back, please. Subscribe. Yeah, it, it would really help because we look like this little channel has only got a few subscribers, and it's like. The, we get a lot of listening. Well, the the podcast the podcast side of it has more traffic, right, um, right? And so this is the newer avenue. And I know we still got a lot of folks who are loyal podcast listeners. We still do the episodes in parody, um, right? So you know, if you're if you enjoy Jim and I just being complete idiots all night, like please like subscribe. You know, hit the <laughs> notification bell, whatever, and uh, find us on social media. Uh, we're also we have a Discord server, and it'll be in the comments at, after the episode um, shows up in our normal episode rationale. I don't know how YouTube does it, but, like, it seems like our episodes don't show up in the normal search listings um, for, like, our channel until after about three days. Uh, and I think that has to do with the live stream giving you a window of time to edit before it's it. yep. widely available. I, I don't know. And it might just be a silly thing that they haven't fix, figured out yet. Um, so anyway, uh, we are a guitar podcast and there's lots of guitar stuff. I want to start off this episode though, by, um, basically saying that like Nam was last week, all the big plethora of news exploded on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and then that basically just took all the air out of the balloon. So I actually sort of had a topic in mind for this week anyway. And it was just funny because we found some news items that sort of just fell into place as a result of Nam. Um, you know, can I say something about what Nam coverage I saw? Yeah, sure. I mean, other than other than the very, very few like here's some gear type things, which Premier Guitar did, and a couple others. Most of what I saw from Nam was, look at us, we're YouTubers hanging out. I was I was reminded of this uh, oh. this sketch comedy I used to watch that. Um, that uh, I'm sorry if I offend some people. You're you're going to hear it, um, and that's this. There was this sketch comedy out of Seattle. And I can't remember the name of it, but they used to have a sketch called High Five and White Guys, and it was just these guys. Uh, kids High in the Five Hall. And white guys. It, I think it was Kids in the Hall. Yeah. And and, and they would. Uh, I loved Kids in the Hall, by the way. One of my favorite shows. Yeah. When so you anyway, said when you said the Northwest just... or Northeastern or whatever, I was thinking or Northwestern. I was thinking uh, Portlandia, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was. I mean, That's a generational it, it was, divide. 
I want to say it was the one that uh, I want to say Bill Nye was on it back when he was still doing comedy. But anyway, um, they had this. That's this still comedy of, now. Yeah, this group <laughs> of guys. Yeah, well, it's scientific opinions are still comedy not, now. But, Anyway, they would run around. They go, "We're high fiving white guys," and it was high fiving white guys in some part of SeaTac, and they jump up and they they high five each other in these weird places. They're all wearing like cardigans or <laughs> polos, and 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 they were all, you know, look at us. We're high fiving white guys, and I was like, "Yeah, that's the YouTube community right there." Yeah, look at us. Here we are. We're hanging out because we're high fiving white guys, and I was like, it, it, "You do realize you are probably." Um, and I'm not making a, a, a comment on their lack of diversity. No, they, but I am they're diverse. Making, <laughs> yeah, I am making a comment on the fact that it was like, look at us hanging out. That that this is all we have. For, we all traveled and stayed at hotels and traveled these distances to be literally late '80s, early '90s yuppies. That's what you guys looked like. I'm sorry, but that's what it looked like. And, and it. To me, it was like, wow, whoopee. Did you hear what Nam um, did you hear what Namthrax was this year? Yeah, and then there was Namthrax. Yep, and I'm not it, gonna say we know somebody who got who yeah. got ill. Uh yeah. and it sucks. And, not, and it sucks, but but at the same time it is kind of it is kind of funny it's from the perspective funny, of like but, you went to Nam, what you think was gonna be was gonna happen. Like I knew yeah. that was gonna be a petri dish. That's part of the reason why I didn't go. Yeah. Um Yeah, you mentioned that before you even when you made the decision not to go like a couple weeks before it happened. Yeah. And I, and even though I wasn't like final on that, like part of me was like, nah, dude. And if I was going to go, by the way, I would have been fully masked up at, at, at NAM. These, I, you yeah. see the videos and like less than 1% of the people are, are one out of 10 is masked up or something. Um, yep. it's probably less than that. And it's like, yeah. you're walking around a damn convention where people get sick every single year they have it. Uh, that's oh, right. Well, that's but that's in December. They they always call it <laughs> Namthrax every year. Yeah, it's Namthrax. They're like, yeah, we had Namthrax. I got Namthrax. I got Namthrax. And then, did you think it was going to be different this year? I wonder if Wampler went because Wampler is like one of those germaphobes. So I wonder if he even went. I don't know. Um, um I don't. I haven't heard much from Wampler since um, that rat that I bought the the rat clone. The rat's band. Yeah, rat I band. think he's got stuff in the in process. But you know, I sort I'm of sure. wonder if. Um, well, his gift is several like of those boutique, right? several of those brands, yeah, come out of that yeah. same facility, and it was and it burned down. And I wonder if they're all sort of scrambling to keep up with whatever sort of situation right. they've moved whatever into. They had before. Um, well, just whatever situation they've moved into too, because having a new space and all that's going to be. I mean, obviously well, he's not that... managing that, but like he is right. managing it from the perspective of having to make arrangements and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure his SLAs, his service level agreements, are, but. Um, the uh, uh, they are releasing some new products from there. They they made mm. the Soldano Mini and the oh, can we talk? That's Mini actually one of the I, news items I wanted to cover. So we got a Soldano Mini, which is yeah. literally the same thing as the Friedman Mini, which is yep. literally the same thing as every other mini amp that's been launched from that company, that that production house. Like I don't have any problem against Friedman. Like if you want to come on the show and have okay. a conversation, we can. But I mean, like these are literally the pedals that they put out, like the BEOD, with a right. Class D amplifier attached to it. Right. And they're all doing this, and they're acting like these things are like saintly. They paid George Lynch to promote the Soldano. 
yeah one and yeah. i'm like really guys how about you just build a, another cost effective soldano like you did when you had uh jet city you know why don't you do that instead because i'd much rather actually been kind of looking like it wouldn't it would be pretty cool to buy one of those jet city heads like the little 50 watt head with with you know the soldano electronics and it's it is a soldano inside um yeah right. it doesn't have the same caps and stuff but like at the end of the day you're getting a pretty cool circuit for for yeah. not a lot of money um, those things money, go yeah. used for like 350 400 bucks i mean yeah. it's like peanuts for a 50 watt amp i mean don't get me wrong i think these little amplifiers are cool i think that you know they're they're obviously one off of you know but I say that, and for the price of two of them, you could get a pod go and get a lot of those sounds. But you're not getting the you're not getting the amp fire. But you're it. getting it. It's portable. It's portable. It is. Still, I will give them this. It's definitely still better than the Spark. Right. Right. And yeah. the Spark Mini, right. which, but that speaks to a different audience who we're going to talk yeah. about in this in this episode tonight. Right. Um. Right. So. Yeah. Uh. So. The Soldano Mini thing, uh, getting getting George Lynch to endorse it was like a really weird thing for me. I had a conversation with uh, my local guitar shop, though, and I think it was really interesting. Um, so going to them and then I said something. I said a cardinal sin to them, apparently, which is that I was like, well, solid state amps in general suck. Now, c clarification, I said in general. Um, right, right. which means that like the vast majority of solid state amps in existence today that are coming out of factories new now are bad. They're not good. Yeah. Um, and I, so let me give you some examples. The Fender champion, um, which is now the champion 100, which is like just bizarre to me that they relabeled that line champion. Um, cause it used to be like deluxe DSP and like twin DSP and all that stuff. And then they have the Marshall MG series yep. which is like not changed in 20 years except for maybe the effects have been updated i mean they're still garbage they haven't yeah. been good in a long time but um the, the pat was the one i was talking to he jumped all over me and he goes no he's like there are good sounding solid state amps we used to sell some of them and he gave me some examples and like the one that came up that i i completely forgot was the was the uh, marshall lead 80 um, which was like one of these little yeah. micro head style deals. It wasn't a full on. I don't think it was. It was like it was like a half size head for them or something. But it was designed for like. I remember seeing seeing people talk about it as being like a backstage amp. Right, um, right, green room type thing. Yeah, but it's not like the because they did those micro amps that were that were like small heads with two eight inch cabinets. I I don't know who yeah. bought those fucking things, but they were flying off the shelves. And I yeah, the, like, um, I remember uh, what was it? the, the guy, Zach stack. Wild? Yeah, the, yeah, Zach Wild was pushing those hard. Well, that's because they built a bunch of them and put his plate on them, and he was getting money for it. I mean, like they oh, yeah. sucked; they were awful. And I don't know why everybody I knew who bought them was like in their forties at the time, and I'm just right, sitting there right. going, "Do you really think that is a stack? Like it's two eight inch speakers? Like what's wrong with you? Um, were they even eight inch?" Yeah, I think they were eight or six and a half. I don't remember. I was gonna say I thought they were six or six and a half inches. Yeah, speakers. they were tiny no, ass little, little combos. I mean, the whole stack was. This I tall. wouldn't want two one by ten stacked up like that. I mean, and that was another 
conversation that we were talking about two by ten combos and two by ten um cabinets and I said I've I think never heard a 10-inch speaker factor. I like. I literally think that people got it for the same reason that they bought a Marshall refrigerator. Was so that they go, look, <laughs> see I a paper weight in the corner. <laughs> I would love I would love to believe that, but I really think some of those people think th thought those things sounded good. Um yeah. just from I mean, conversations. So it, it whatever gets you playing gets you playing that's that's the thing i'll do i'll say but right, um, right. in the it, it, at the end of the day um uh, that's that's a good thing but the truth of the matter is you're right and i and when we get to uh yeah there's another general topic that we'll get to is the whole younger guitar idol thing and yeah because so that one's out of left field we didn't talk about that before the show but it's but it's related to uh martin and TikTok and some of the other things we're yeah talk about yeah i mean <clears throat> you know uh again i i <laughs> here's the problem i have that that there's nothing wrong with george lynch george lynch is an awesome guitar player right yeah i mean but uh, george lynch is an awesome guitar player to somebody of my age i was um, gonna say he speaks to a very specific era Right. There's people that are your age who appreciate it, but it's mostly It was oh, all the people that bought the 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 <laughs> little the little marshals, you know? Right. And and the thing is that I think he it was it was a shot in uh, over the bow to say, okay, you guys that are my age buying sparks, run out and buy one of these. I wouldn't I I wouldn't buy one, but that's not because I think that it's a bad uh, amplifier. I just I have an amp one. I can't complain. I mean, right. it's I a have, class D amp with a with a tube in us, it. Right, but most people our age who have a little bit of money have a have something like that. They have a Pod Go. They have a Helix. They have a uh, like you have. They have the amp one. They have the you know the, the they have a Iridium. They have the pedal that came out before this. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so. To me, it was kind of like, okay, I guess that's speaking to the, you know, the blues lawyer that, that I'll watch, I'll watch these videos where, um, uh, it, it randomly YouTube will throw me, throw me a bone in my, in my feed. Like that isn't something I watch all the time. Right. Or most of the time. Mm -hmm. And it'll be, um, you know, some dude unboxing, a, um, like a $5,000 less ball. And. I and then wait, wait. And so they get done with it, right? And there's a cat in the background. There's always a cat or, or yeah. their little dog running around there. They've got this beautiful kitchen. And, it, it, you know, it's always this gorgeous room they're unboxing yeah. in. And I'm like, okay, there's a guy that's going to be online returning it in a few weeks saying how, how he thinks it sucks because it's not everything he thought it was cracked up to be. Because the next thing he does is he plugs it into one of these things that don't sound that good. Mm -hmm. And and then he's like, this doesn't sound any better than my, you know, my Epiphone. You're right, because you're playing it too. Well, all right, so so, so real talk for a minute. People yeah. who watch guitar demos online on YouTube, if you're watching guitar demos to find out how a guitar sounds, I mean, that's really the silliest use of your time at this point because yeah. the reason why you go and play a guitar is because you want to know how it feels. Right. Like right. what's the radius like? What's the, you know, what's the geometry of the fretboard? Like what is you, you need the answers to those questions more right. than what it sounds like. And specifically because 
their listening environment, their recording environment, their even the way they attack the strings is going to be different than you. Different. Um, That's right. And so you need to know what you sound like with the instrument. So if you're if you're That's... starting out at guitar, like you're maybe two years in or something, and you're doing that, I'm telling you right now, don't do it. Stop it because yeah. you'd be better off to go to the store and pick up guitars and just play everyone. Um, yeah, I mean the the truth of the matter is when I look at uh, um, the vid videos like this that that I was referring to, I'm usually like, what was I doing right before we started? I was in Agalia. Or, uh, Gallia, yeah, playing, it is, you were playing in uh, Final Fantasy, right? And I had a video on the left, and actually, what I was watching there was the Casual Criminalist, mm -hmm. and I had um, uh, my Agalia on my right, and I was playing my video game while I was watching a video, or like actually kind of passively listening, because I'm not a person I will not sit down and like watch a video. I'm playing guitar, I'm doing my laundry, I'm doing dishes, I'm walking the dog. It's in my pocket. I don't even see it half the time. Um, or I'm driving to rehearsal, I'm driving home from rehearsal, to, uh, you know, uh, or a gig. That's typically when I catch Trogley. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's not because I, cause I don't want to watch it. I'm driving. I don't really watch it. No, you're more listening, listening to it. That's why I said like a lot of this stuff could just be straight podcast content. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, you know, this, this stuff we're doing that we're, you know, we're involved in. That's pretty much co podcast content. Yeah, it is. And it is. Like I'm, I, I'm unabashed about this being a video format that, like, we're getting away with because just because it opens us up to a new audience. But we're really doing yeah. the same thing. I mean, <laughs> we're a podcast that has two talking heads on it. Come on, guys. I mean, let, let's right, be real right. here for a minute. And nobody cares. I mean, I'm not good looking. I'm wearing a black shirt with a with a 335 thing in front of an amplifier on it i mean that's for those who are not seeing stuff i've got a guitar world sitting across my shoulder got my guitars hanging behind my head not because i'm showing off to you guys half the time we record and those things are empty because they're in their cases because i just got back from a gig or i was heading to a gig and i did who would have thought that, it, that a podcast called the practical guitars features people who practice guitar. i know who actually play the guitar and <laughs> play it some um, you know, sometimes they're sitting on the stand behind me, which is blank right now, but <clears throat> I'm, I'm too active. Like I'll have people ask me, have you, have you caught up with this TV show or that TV show? I'm like, I don't even know it exists. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, I've got I'm, like a handful of things I watch. It's yeah. like, you can count it on one hand. Um, I'm up at five fifteen in the morning. I'm in the gym by five 30. I'm. I'm home. I have to have breakfast. I have to get a shower. I have to get online to start working. I'll put a I'll put a podcast in the background, and I'll be kind of semi-actively listening to it, mostly passively listening to it. It's just it's just background noise because I've got a humidifier. That's the hum that's in the background mm -hmm. there, um, going, and uh, that's that's it. And and or dehumidifier actually at this time, um, which needs to be emptied. But um, that's that's my life, and and. You know, and then at the end of the day, I'm off at a gig. I'm off at, you know, I'm off to practice with somebody. I'm sitting playing the guitar like you are. Sometimes during a, a conference call, playing guitar. I don't have time for that. Now, that doesn't mean that I, I think I'm above anybody. That's certainly not what I'm saying. But because um, obviously all that that content is for someone. And not everyone um, can get to uh, a place. when When I was a kid... I thought a Les Paul sounded a certain way because I saw bands playing them on right. television. 
Right. And and if you think and the first YouTube's time you plug bad, in a Les Paul, you're like, holy shit, it yeah. it isn't even distorted. Like what? <laughs> I mean, I'm listening to it back then. I was listening to it through a four inch speaker on, on a television. Can you imagine how bad that sounded? Yeah, well, think about well, think about it for this perspective for people who are listening. Les Paul, right? The music he made, yeah. and then slash and compare, and be like, oh yeah, I know what a Les Paul sounds like. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's they're totally different worlds. <laughs> um, totally Unless different worlds. Like whatever you make it sound like, that's right. what a Les Paul sounds like. Exactly. So that's what that was my point on that. Um, I don't know. I'm ready to go on to the first topic. How about you? Yeah, sure. All right. Hey, let's right. So let's do it. Uh, Martin and TikTok. So I'm going to introduce this. Um, let me get my. Yeah, this one was yours. So I'm. Yeah. I'm so just so everybody knows, I didn't like this. This actually came from someplace. So, guitar.com. Martin wants to reach the youngins through TikTok. We either participate yep. in that or we don't at our own peril. And that's the Martin CEO. Okay. And his name is Thomas Ripsam. Um, okay. So, all right. I'm going to start off with the oxymoron side of this because <laughs> this is a company that made a $2.5 million diamond encrusted guitar to take yeah, to NAM. <laughs> Talking about how they're going to reach out to the youngins on using oh, no. TikTok. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> like, are you serious? Because, because, so, so, I, I'm, I'm a millennial. I'm 37 years old, right? right. I'm, I'll be 38 right. in December this year. And I, I'll tell you right now, if you're thinking that you're going to reach out to millennials by making right. a two and a half million dollar guitar, you're yeah. high. There is, I don't know what drug you're on, but man, you are like Elon up there, like just leaving the atmosphere in your dick rocket. Like I, I, I just, yep. uh, because first off our generation, I'm, I'm a millennial. Okay. Right, and I am, right. I'm, I'll say this. I don't, I'm not giving any context to this, but amongst other millennials, I know I'm rich. Okay. Um, now that's not saying I have money. Like, let's be very, very clear on that. I struggle just as much as anybody else, but I have a job that pays well, and that therefore makes me rich amongst millennials, okay? Because most right. of us don't have jobs that pay well, um, right. especially not musicians. So let's get that let's get that out in the open. Now, that that's the first the first side of this that I was just like, are you serious? Um, and then the other thing is the TikTok thing. So they're talking about post millennials, right? Like Generation Y and stuff, um, and Gen Z, which my my kids are a part of Gen Z. And yeah, I will I tell you, my kids, are, my Z, kids right? are uh twelve and and seventeen. Yeah. Um and I can tell you right now that the seventeen year old could give two shits about TikTok. Um they do use the Instagram stories or whatever, which is not Instagram stories, whatever the Instagram equivalent of TikTok is. But they are very, very well aware of when they are being marketed to. And they are very, very well aware of toxic communities. And if you think that you're going to take C.F. Martin's toxic ass community, which is a bunch of, you know, basically older generation that did not already get along with that generation. And you're yep. going to and you're going to marry them to TikTok. I mean, you guys are just like out of it. Like you don't get it. Um, it's not about speaking to them in a language they understand and telling them the same message. 
you know, it's a different message you have to send. You know, companies haven't learned anything since I was a kid. Yeah. You would have you would have companies when um in the late sixties, early seventies, um, that would come out and they'd say, We're hip to what you are doing right now. We dig it. And it's like <laughs> it's like you're they're doing the same thing. They're just doing the same thing. They're they're um they're going, look at us. It reminds me of uh, in um, Austin Powers when he goes, I'm hip. See? Uh, they're this, they're <laughs> speaking a different language, but they're not speaking a different message, which is the right. problem. The language is not, it's irrelevant, right? Right. It's the That's message. What I mean. $2.5 million guitar that everybody's supposed to ooh and ah over at NAM versus someone who can't afford to buy one of your Stratabon neck pieces of shit. Right. Okay, let's let's just throw this out there right now. This is a brand that, in order to get into what I would consider a professional level, Martin, you're going to spend at least two thousand um, dollars. And whereas you can get competitive instruments from other companies like Breedlove for around a thousand bucks. This That's is right. a, this, a, 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 we talk about um, the brand tax that's associated with brands like PRS, Gibson, Fender. And Fender does have a brand tax. We'll we'll cover that too. Um, mm. But we talk about those brand taxes, and CF Martin is probably the top of the heap. But we don't talk about them a lot because we're more focused on solid body guitars. Okay, right. their brand tax is just beyond. It's astronomical, right. and it's kind of crazy. Um, you can, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can buy into a decent tailor for uh, um, for about a thousand bucks, at least. A, yeah, for about a grand. Where you're not getting into a decent Martin. I mean, you're getting a Martin, but you're not getting a Martin. And and it doesn't have yeah. anything to do with, you know, I've heard people say, well, like, expensive Martins are made in a more esoteric style that's harder to make. And that right. may be yeah. true, but then you got to look at, like, other companies that have modernized that design and produce quality instruments for, like, for 1200 Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, Martin can't do that. Because that would devalue their label. That's why they can't do it. Right. Uh, they have That's a, right. They, okay, so let's talk Martin history for just a second before we like really unload and, and move this topic because we're going to move it in a different direction too. Um, right. But Martin history. So like in the 80s, Martin was collapsing. They almost yep. went under. And they sort of turned it around in the early 90s. And I think a lot of that had to do with the success of artists a lot of artists who were playing playing, guitar. who were playing acoustic, but specifically Martins. And yeah. I mean, like, especially the women in the nineties, so there are a lot of um, acoustic balladier uh, females that were really cutting through and, and uh, well um, that and, and brands like Fender not being able to get a foothold in the acoustic market probably helped them quite a bit too. If Fender had built a Martin killer, like a yep. CF Martin style guitar for like 1100 bucks in 1992, I right. don't think we'd be talking about Martin in the same way that we do right now as they have a brand tax. They right. would be more like Guild or somebody like that where they exist and uh, no one really talks about them. Um, right. Except for, you know, I obviously like, I'm sure there are people that talk about Guild. You know, I'm sure there are people, the, the, the D28 is always going to be an amazing guitar that everybody always talks about but it just wouldn't be revered in the same way. And the pricing would definitely not be what it is right now. Um, right. I can remember Martin's failed experiment with Sigma. Do you remember Sigma? 
You don't see Sigma here anymore. I think Sigma is Japanese only now. Um, and there's actually, so that's a whole other thing. Like we, someday we're going to talk about Japanese only brands, um, guitar companies that, like uh, Orville. yeah, Orville is an example, um, who are basically licensed to create guitars in Japan. So, so Japan has a guitar market. That's like probably even more feverish than ours. And that, that's really what that, that boils down to. Let me get this, um, browser off here. Um, so their, their guitar market is like, um, very collector oriented yep. and so because of that there's all these brands that exist there that don't necessarily get sold here one of these days i'm getting to japan and i want to i want to film some of the guitar shops that are there if they'll let me and because right, they have right. like different rules and stuff over there about that kind of thing um yep. but, but but just because i want to show people like orville and uh like J Japanese Ibanez because it's different than American Ibanez, right? And then there's um even even Fender over there has like totally different lineups. You can still get Fender guitars with with Floyd Roses and Wild right. Colors and all that stuff like like heavy metal strats, but but actual Stratocasters and that kind of stuff. They don't exist here because there's no market for that here. Um, yeah, but there's a yeah, whole there's a bigger. A bigger um, uh, ESP presence over there as well. Yeah, there's a whole um, attractiveness to this to this thing that, that doesn't exist here. Um, yep. I forget where I was going with this. What we were talking? Oh, so we were going to shift gears. Um, we were talking about Martin, and and I definitely think Martin has that Sigma line probably still in production over there, and it's probably Japanese consumption only. And I, I would not shock me. It's like, that's one thing always bothered me. It's like Sigma. I knew people that I actually know two people that own Sigmas. And they said it was the best acoustic guitar I ever owned. Like better than my Martin that I own now. One, the one guy, you know, and it's like, do you still have your Sigma? No, I sold it. And I'm like, you know, you sold it because you got the Martin. Yeah. You know, like the Martin was supposed to be better. And so I talked about it being better and wound up not being better. Um, so I, I just, I, I want to posit that out there. Like they don't even have an inexpensive brand. They decided to make everything under the Martin label. And where is their, where is their inexpensive stuff made now? Is it made in Mexico? Cause I, yeah. cause I, yeah, I thought they had like a Mexican production facility like Fender did. And I know, I know Taylor does. Um, but Taylor's is a little bit different because, I think they assemble parts there and then ship them to the States to build them. Right. Um, so it's like a whole other, like they, they assemble them here or whatever. And that has, it makes a lot of sense because the, the real labor there is the gluing and all that stuff and gluing and drying. Um, so anyway, um, so Martin and TikTok, right? This speaks to a larger problem in the industry. Um, we have a young generation of people that are coming up that do not see guitar as the same musical instrument as I think even my generation did. And by the way, my generation grew, I grew up in the time period where it was hard to find guitar solos on the radio. Um, so yep. me being a kind of pseudo shred guitarist is hilarious because I'm doing something totally different than everybody else. In my generation was interested in. Yeah, the um, late '90s, early 2000s was a time when the solo was frowned on in popular music. Yeah, and I don't understand that whole pro uh, the whole thing either. I think it just had to do with the fact that a lot of those guitar players 
were more songwriters than they were musicians, if that makes sense. And so it was yeah. like, we want to serve the song more than the, I, I don't know. And some of those guys actually do play mean guitar solos. They've gone on to, yeah, um, like like the guy from Creative, I forget, his name escapes me right now, Mark Tremonti. Tom um, Morello. Tom, well, Tom, <laughs> no, no, so like Tom Morello, wrong. like, no, so legitimately Tom Morello is funny because he actually does have guitar chops. They're just oh, I not know. typical I know. guitar chops. They're like this right, right. weird amalgamation of like just being I was joking, like I didn't unique. know who the, yeah, I would, like I didn't know who the guy from Creed was. Oh, oh yeah. Tom Morello. Yeah, Tom Morello from Creed. Yeah. If you don't, you've seen those memes where people are like, they've got the wrong people. Yeah, no, here. what are you talking about? Kurt Cobain was in, was in Alice in Chains, wasn't he? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and those guys from... Lane Staley uh, from Nirvana? <laughs> Wayne Staley from Nirvana, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Wayne Staley. <laughs> yeah, Wayne Staley. There you go. Could you imagine if Lane Staley was in Nirvana? Like, could oh you God. imagine? <laughs> Completely different vocal. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to flesh that joke out any further. That is definitely an audience joke. You guys can think about yeah. that one and you can have a very good laugh. Like mash yeah. up some, uh, mash up some, uh, uh, Allison chains with, uh, with, uh, Nirvana and see what that sounds like in your head. Um, I had somebody ask me the other day if I could sing a Seether song. Now you gotta remember, you gotta realize folks, if you've never heard me sing, I sound more like journey and I'm like, there is no effing way I'm going to sing something by either. Not because I think they're a bad band, but because that guy's voice. It's a totally different like, set of like credentials. I mean, yeah. Um, I would sound like um, that one time that uh, Celine Dion tried to sing ACDC. It's just not going to be good at all. Uh, I would suck. All right. So let's let's talk about the title of this episode. So this is why I wanted to talk about Martin and TikTok. So TikTok is obviously like, for those of you who are not social media inclined, <clears throat> is this little video service that does like short little one minute video clips. And they're usually comical in nature. If you ever do go on TikTok, which I would recommend you just don't bother. I don't. Um, it is like if you look at the guitar tags, it's like three people on or it's like three songs on there that people play over and over and over. Oh, um, and it is. Look at me. I'm learning to play guitar. Okay, great. Wonderful. And it's never... So, like, this is the problem I have with Martin talking about this, is it's never millennials doing it. It's, like, people that are my generation but look younger. Um, and or it is millennials. It's it's never, like, Gen Gen Y, Gen, Gen Z, Z people, right? Yeah, Gen Y. Um, because their music is... Like, so they've grown up on K-pop and... Japanese pop music from anime and like um, vaporwave and all this like electronic dance music that's very similar to I would say like music of the 80s that you'd hear in a dance <clears throat> a dance club in the 80s like it's a very different vibe and it has to do with the fact that like that whole generation has grown up with a computer in their in their hands and right. like three years or three months old and they're handed a cell phone. You know, like here, play with my phone for that? five minutes while while I look for my keys. Um, what was that? Happy Frog was it? Happy Frog, the the frog that that they did the uh, meme, the one of the first memes. Uh, I don't know. I something frog in it, and all the videos were like uh, it was a DJ thing. Wouldn't wouldn't shock me. I don't know. Anyway, somebody's gonna know right in, right in the comments, but 
<clears throat> the point is that they had this this uh, meme thing, and it was like a computerized happy frog. Yeah, well, I remember yeah. the first meme was like the dancing baby thing. So. Yep, the dancing baby. Which, yeah. Anyway. Which was ridiculous. Um, yeah. it can go, it can go die in a hole. DJ frog, um, could be, could be. Uh, so, but that, but that generation is like they're all about computer generated music, right? Like it's not a, it's not a hassle for them. And it was funny because even five what? or ten years ago, when you had like Mumford and Sons running around, it was like there was a group of people in that generation that were sort of revolting, in Gen, in Gen Y, who were like what the hell you know what i mean like um they were like we're not gonna accept and it, but <laughs> it seems that, like it's kicked the other way now right yeah, like i i still think there's gonna be a revolt just like when disco died and people trashed it there's gonna listen, be a revolt. listen w w performable music is not going away we know that right um, right. there's no reason to feel threatened by it going away either and that's why i say that to our listeners not not you jim because uh, i know music's music and like that's right. sort of our mantra here but um right. i say that from the perspective of understanding that uh most people when they hear about edm sort of get like a negative connotation because it's not performable and i know people say yeah it is it is like you can go see skrillex and whoever do this edm shut up Okay, yeah. he's playing pre-generated samples. That is not he's the same skill level required to play a, a, like a violin masterfully. Notice I didn't even point out the guitar, right? Like any instrument. Other, I mean, even drums have nuances that are controllable mm -hmm. by the player that machines can't replicate. And the fact That's is right. they're playing samples. Now, is that an invalid form of music? No, no, certainly, certainly not. But I'm also not going to sit there and pretend like it's the same skill set and requires the same level of effort either. Um, right. I Andrew Huang, YouTuber, right? I actually yep. really, really like his channel um, because he's very exploratory. He's willing to do anything. And I'm never going to say something that would devalue that that guy's commitment and understanding of how music works and how, how great a musician that dude actually is. But I'm also going to say, like most of his music is electronic in nature and the creative right. side of it is what you go you go there for you don't go there for the performance side of it um right which is a whole other that's a whole other aspect of music that we have forgotten today is the performance side of it and that is not to say that there aren't artists that play instruments that are not valued by the current generation um right. i would say like if you look at k-pop and j-pop it's really really funny because a lot of those forms of music have even trans or digitalized the vocalist. They're using right. Vocaloid type softwares, which is actually a popular style of software in Asian countries. Um, you can't, it's in fact, some of them you can't even get in the United States without a language pack, uh, without installing the, the, the uh, Japanese language pack. Right. And right. it's like this whole thing, uh, that has exploded over there because, you know, if you're making low budget TV music, which a lot of that music that they that we consider J-pop is really coming from like TV in Japan, um, and not so much like music artists. Um, yep. it's I mean there are music artists over there over there obviously, and there so many of them are very, very successful. But I'm just pointing out that like 
the Miku pedal. A lot of people just don't even realize this. The Miku pedal that was burning up people's you know ears for guitars, like that's based on Miku, which is like this Japanese touring anime thing, right? Um, which I don't think anybody really understands that that's like a pop star over there, um, right? So. I mean, we're, we're, we're Westerners, right? We, we don't really have a lot of exposure to the Asian culture and their, their, um, their sensibilities and also just basically how their, how their economy and how their, how their entertainment economy works. Um, so this younger generation is getting exposed to all these influences, right? And you got Martin, you got Martin over here who's making grandpa's guitars, right? They made, they made an electric guitar in the seventies. Um, they haven't done that since. Oh yeah. And yeah. I, I actually really like their electric. I, I've, I've played a couple of their electrics. I played three of the that model, and I really liked it. But it's heavy. It's made out of solid mahogany. It's the heaviest mahogany guitar you've ever put on in your life. It weighs like nine pounds or ten pounds. Um, and the body is like not balanced well, and it's a whole thing. So yep. anyway, all that aside, Martin and all the things that that um, I pointed out here. Other brands in this industry are struggling with this too. Okay. Um, in the sense that they haven't, they're not trying to, to modernize guitar. What they're trying to do, and this will relate to the next topic, but we're not going to skip yet, um, is to prop up people that are younger that relate to these communities right. or maybe have some like record sales with these communities and prop those artists up and be like, Look, they're popular and they play our stuff. You should play it too. But the reality right. is if if a lot of cases, like I think about um, Post Malone and right. was the other one, Machine Gun Kelly or whatever. Yep, Machine both Gun of Kelly. The, both of those two have had flirtations with guitar. And, Ed Sheeran. Uh, Ed Sheeran. Yeah, Ed Sheeran's a little bit, it's like three years ago, four years ago, right? So it's like an eon to, to young people. Um. And I think that people look at people like Post Malone and we, I mean, we look at him, what a joke, right? Right. Um, I don't remember which one of them it is that's like pissed off everybody he's worked with. I think it's, I think it's Machine, Machine Gun, Gun Kelly. Kelly. Uh, like, I don't have anything negative to say about Post Malone really, uh, you know, other than I don't, I'm not really a big fan of his music. Um, yeah. but like, I don't have so. to be a fan of his music to understand where his place in the industry is. And like, but, I see that these guitar companies are sort of like, they're courting these people. Right. And it's like, we want, we want you to be a spokesperson for this. And it's like, okay, first off, that's a vocalist. Okay. You know, why are you courting this person as the same way you would court somebody like George Lynch when he was young? Right. Um, right. which you can go back to Kramer and their whole courtship of well, so many different players. Well, because that's what they got. Right, but it's because that's all that's left, right? That's basically I mean, what I'm pointing if you're out. Gonna get, right, if you're going to get your item in front of people, whether it's on magazines or in television or in, and, in videos or whatever, it's going to be the person that gets seen in the front. Well, that's the How way this, times, that's the way yeah, this industry has operated historically. Right. And now we got this new thing going on, right, called influencers. And that's part of why they want to get on TikTok. Because they're right. convinced that TikTok will be a platform for influencers to talk about their stuff. And I went yeah. on, I actually went on TikTok's website and I searched for, for Martin this evening. And I found, um, I found a couple of videos. I'm not going to play any of them. You guys could do that in your own time. 
Uh, use a burner computer if you're going to do it. Because um, TikTok sucks and is notorious for, you know, malware and all that. Um, yep. I'm not, I'm not going to let you get risky. But anyway, uh, if you go on TikTok and you search for Martin, like one of the first things that came up is a guy comparing his cheap Martin with his expensive Martin. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's exactly the influencer thing, right? That's making advertising that doesn't seem like advertising. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what that is. Yep. Um, and we've seen that. I mean, some of our friendly channels do that. You can you can watch those videos if you're interested in gear. And, like, yep. I think that that's the approach they want to take. But I kind of, like, look at the situation and I go, you're using the most toxic social media platform ever for marketing videos that, like, maybe won't even work because the algorithm won't serve them up since they're not about Machine Gun Kelly or Post Malone or whatever other current, like, young music person that's burning up the performing side of music's charts. Um, now, granted, I want to back this up a little bit because I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a complete idiot. Uh, we know that they just had, like, a big music festival a couple months ago. We, we covered it on the show. Um, and there will be more. I'm sure Burning Man and all that stuff will happen this year. Um and we know that there are music people, young people performing at those shows, right? And that, that there are artists that, that appeal to younger generations. So right. it's not a complete vacuum. I'm just saying guitar isn't what it used to be, but these companies right. seem to think it is. And I'm not, I'm not just going to pick up on Martin. I want to I talk about some of the other companies before we start talking about young guitar idols, which are already starting to go down that path a little bit. So Fender. We know Fender has been very aggressive with making sure that the quality of inexpensive instruments is raised, right? Like in that side of the industry. The prices have gone up, but that's inflation, right? But but generally speaking, their low end is as good as it gets for the industry's low end. So like right. if you're going to buy a $200 Squire bullet, which I believe is like 200 right? It's like $179 to $189 now. Um, if you're going to buy a bullet, your bullet is going to be infinitely better than a bullet from five years ago. Well, I would say infinitely better than a bullet from 10 years ago. Uh, you know, five years ago, they were starting to get pretty good. And it's getting to the point where that's very clear to me. They understand the millennial market probably better than the other brands do in the sense that the, the post-millennial market, they don't have money, Right. They don't have money to spend. This is this is the first teenage generation that's like yep. very money conscious. Um and so as they as they exit their late teens, like they're not walking to the store to buy an eight hundred dollar PRSSE. Um I knew right. when I was a kid, uh I I grew up in an area where people did buy five hundred dollar PRSSEs as their first guitar. Um yep. or or their second guitar. Um and that's a very interesting thing because when you look at we just talked about PRS. I mean, their entry level stuff five hundred dollars now, seven hundred dollars now. That's entry level. That's not even like that's like like bargain basement student level. Okay. Um, yeah. And then Gibson flirted with that a few years ago with the Epiphone, the one they did that was like ninety nine bucks. Do you remember that they did that? It was like it was like. Uh, it was a yeah. flat top Les Paul with a pick guard 
and two single coils. Um, yep. And those guitars, and one of them got tossed off of a bridge. <laughs> we know yeah, about that. Uh, that was very famous. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was very famous. Um, and infamous, uh, depending on who yep. you are. Both, um, yeah, both at the same time. That was an Epiphone SL. <laughs> That's what they call those. They were Epiphone SLs. I don't think Epiphone's doing that guitar anymore. Um, they might be. I don't know. I doubt it. So the point, reason why I brought that up is because it looked to me like Gibson and Epiphone were sort of reaching out. Like, we know we need to design a guitar that can reach that low end of the market. Now, I don't think you necessarily have to have a $100 guitar for it to sell. Because I'm going to give you some examples of some other products that people in that generation would spend a bunch of money on. Um, yep. PlayStation 5. Uh, right. Which is a, what, five or $600 game console? And people are buying them. And they're not people... Uh, now, people in Jim's and I, Jim and I's generation are buying them. But, like, my kid would save up the money to go buy one if they could. You know? Yep. And, that, and that whole thing. Um, which is just... I, I get it, I guess, you know, put all your money into tax so you can throw it away. I, I don't know. Um, it seems weird to me. Because uh, when I was a kid, and I remember they launched the PlayStation 3, and I think it was, what, retailed for $700? I remember going, what the hell are they thinking? This generation would be like, eh, it's got to do a processor, it's fine. Um, it's going to be really fast, you know. Do you need it to be that fast? Um Okay, uh, yeah, please, you know, please tell me uh, how that feels for you later. Um, but, so, it felt like Epiphone Gibson, like, ha had reached a point where they were going to start doing that. And then they, they've done this complete about-face now, where the company has changed hands, and they've revamped their market, and they made all the mid-level guitars great, Right, and yeah. then the high end just gotten higher, stratospherically higher. We were talking about the yeah. the price increases last episode, so we have to kind of acknowledge yep, that. Yep, we did. But the yeah. um, but it seems like the low end is not getting any cheaper from Epiphone, um, and I and that's largely due to the fact that they're still going to offer. They're not going to. The days of them offering every guitar in a bolt-on model to make the to make the price go down is it's over. Um, and I would argue that I think we're going to see Epiphone more competing with, with PRSSC than we're going to see Epiphone competing with, with Squire at this point because the level of quality there has to be higher in order to support the construction method of those guitars, right? Um, and it's... So, I was talking to somebody recently. I want to shed some light on this because we talked about this on the show before. Construction uh, of a guitar and why the price issue. So, when you buy a Stratocaster and it's a bolt-on neck and the neck warps because it's an inexpensive guitar and it you know didn't have enough care or whatever that's a quality control issue yeah. and Fender warranty replaces your neck with another Squire neck and you move on if you do that with an Epiphone they're going to bandsaw that Epiphone and give you a new one um, which means that like all of the labor that went into your Epiphone is you know if it, as long as it's not bolt-on, right? All the effort that went into that Epiphone is just flushed down the toilet, which is why it has nothing to do with the construction of the guitar and how much money it costs. It has everything to do with the fact that the construction of the guitar costs more money when they throw it away. That's right. If that makes sense. So yep. that's why when you buy um, a whatever 
uh, neck through or set neck design, it costs you $200 more than a bolt-on equivalent. That's why. Um, so anyway, moving on. That that myth all settled. So part of the reason why we don't have this like level buy-in, I think, from young people that like, what, like we're talking about Coachella, right, um, was because Gibson, Fender, like different construction styles and the price points that are attached to those. Um, so I don't think that representation has anything to do with, with anything else other than the style and that era price point and that preference. Because once you develop, it's like me, I started out playing a Strat because it was cheap and I have continued to gravitate towards Strats because I'm comfortable with them, right? That's, I think, what's going on there. Similar, similar proposition. Not controversial at all. So, anyway, uh, long story short, I'm going to try to cut this this topic a little a little short so we can move on to talking about the young guitar idols because we've already started on that a little bit. Um, the long the long and short of it is basically that like Martin and other companies are trying to reach out to the younger generation, but they're doing it in a very like mismatched way, and there's no telling whether it will be successful or not because I think largely whether they have success in that is going to depend on the market and what musicians are able to get in front of young people. And that has to do with whether the record industry is going to continue to prop up Beyonce and the ilk post Beyonce. In other words, what I mean is the, um, the pop stars, right? Because that's the only thing you see, see on TV anymore. And it's the only thing you hear on the radio right now is pop stars. Um, I would argue even Kanye is a pop star, uh, not a rapper anymore. He, he transcended that a long time ago. Right. Um, so, Younger guitar idols. Um, if I had to point a finger at a guitarist for my generation, um, really kind of the cusp of my generation and, and Gen Y and Gen X, I'd probably say John Mayer. It, nobody has excited the guitar playing feelings in people in that those generations, those groups as much as him. Um, now, I don't necessarily know that that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, it depends on your whether you like John Mayer, I guess. But right. um, he sells guitars, right? Like, I mean, let's be real. Uh, I don't know how much of his Fender model sold because I was sort of like out of touch with the community at that time. But like the PRS, the Silver Sky, holy shit, they've sold so many of those things. And everybody and their mother has one. Jim, Jim move to your move to your left. <laughs> There's one back there. Um, so, look, it can happen that you can have a guitar idol that encompasses a large enough part of the market. Um, I mean, you want to talk about like what it was like back when you were a kid? Because I, because I know that the artist and endorsement guitar thing is like sort of a nineties and later thing. But um, maybe you want to talk about what it was like back when it was Fender and Gibson selling instruments. Yeah. I mean, you go like you were talking about, you go into a store and you'd find um, Fender Gibson, sometimes one or the other, usually a little bit of both. Um, And you'd, find a couple of like the really super inexpensive things um and unless you 
were from a large market, New York City, you know, that type of thing, you weren't going to run into a lot of like the uh, Ibanez, um, you know, things mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You pretty much just had those two to choose from. And when you think about it, when you watched people on television. It's Fender Gibson. Yeah. I mean, not until the 70s was, did you start seeing Ibanez's appear. Right. I mean, you saw Music Man basses. Um, ACDC's uh, bass player uh, played one famously. Um, but, and you saw some, um, uh, as far as, uh, what the heck's the brand, um, uh, Johnny Winter and those guys played one, um, we, oh, we got a question. Can we, can we take a second? Yeah, sure. So not really a question, but, uh, Osvaldo, Osvaldo here's saying that Black Keys are a pretty popular guitar bass, uh, newer band yeah. also. I, you know, Black Keys are... But here's the thing. The Black Keys were popular 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I mean, right. that's when, and, and like my kids, because I'm trying to think of generations past me, because I'm, I'm an old fart now at this point. I'm 37 years old. Um, it's really, really hard for my kids to recognize a guitar player, for example. And they're, I mean, they're listening for it because they know me, right? Like they, they, they have an ear for it. But it's like, there aren't guitar players for their generation's music. And I, by the way, Black, Black Keys is great, but Rival Sons is better. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I was listening to a Black Keys song because we, we, we used to cover a Black Keys song in one of my bands a while ago. And I was like, oh, my God, that song is actually like 12 years old or whatever. I was like, holy smokes. And I remember seeing um, the Black Keys in Rocksmith 2014. So, I mean, it's like... And that was an oldie at that point, you know, it's yeah, like, it it's already like five years old point. then, you know? Um, yep. And I'm not, I'm not trying well, to, I'm not trying to, uh, no, no, dissolve no. Osvaldo's, uh, suggestion here. I, I, I sort of, uh, I see where you're coming from, but yep. and yeah. they are touring. Um, you got to remember that. So Jen, Gen Z goes back to 97, I think. And born in 97. Um, Born in 97, a millennial. So I have a child who's a millennial, but she was born in 94. So she's like yeah. niche toward the end of Very of end of millennials, yeah. And I was born in the very last year of the boomer generation, 64. And then um, my sons were born, um, Gen Z. And so <clears throat> she, um, she would have listened to, as a matter of fact, she did listen to the Black Keys, and she listened to a lot of... Uh, that's but cradle of filth and <laughs> that yep. was all of stuff that was going on at that time. Oh my gosh, Panic at the Disco. Yeah, and... yeah. Well, they're still around because my oldest talks about Panic at the Disco occasionally. Yep. Um, um, who was the Who was the guys that uh, um, did uh, 1985? Um, but there was a lot of different bands that did a lot of um, really cool um, music. Uh, Sean Menendez, yeah, yeah, uh, probably the the Gen Z guitarist. Yeah, that's um, there's yeah Sean Menendez for sure. Yeah, uh, there's some uh, really, you know, what we don't we're not touching on is the is there are some really cool folks that are putting out blues, they're putting out um, rock, they're putting on uh, jazz and and that type of thing, and we're gonna go into that. 
because um, um, matter of fact, we may as well mention them. How about the how about the elephant in the room? The the Led Zeppelin wannabe, as far as some folks that are my age, I think they're great. Um, I think what they're doing is you know uh, important, and um, that's uh, um, the uh, the kids. Um, what the heck's the name of that band? Uh, You're talking about uh, Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet. Yep. Uh, hang I'm on one second. Hang on one second. I got to share something with the audience. So if, you don't, believe, so if you don't believe we're 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 not telling the truth here, I mean I'm pretty sure our audience does. But this is Gibson's website, right? And at the bottom of their page, they have like a list of videos of people that they're like trying to attach to their brand, basically. And you got yeah. Lizzie Hale, who's got a signature model out right now, and yep. um, then you've got uh, Jake Kiska of Greta Van Fleet. And yep. okay, so we talked about this before the show. This was a plant. I, I I did plant the seeds of this before the before the show because I wanted to talk about Greta Van Fleet for Fleet for a second. Here's a generational divide. Um, the generational divide here is that Greta Van Fleet, when I see them discussed by people that are that are old enough to know like Led Zeppelin when it was on the radio, right? Um, Greta Van Fleet sucks. Greta Van Fleet's terrible. And then I see people who are um, in that that paradigm um, where they're like on the fence and it's not – that music's not cool, so Greta Van Fleet sucks. But then there's also right. people who are younger that I've met who are like, no, Greta Van Fleet's awesome. And they may not even know Led Zeppelin exists. And so for them, it's like, oh yeah, they're they're kind of like Led Zeppelin. Somebody told me that, and I'd listen to some Led Zeppelin tunes. But like, that's a band that's sort of relevant with a small group of people in a younger generation that Gibson right. is trying to attach themselves to. Um, I also think that that's largely driven by the fact that he has a wonderful, I think it's like a sixty-one SG. It's a sixty-one yep. Les Paul um, that he's just beat the hell out of. Uh, in addition oh, yeah. to the fact that it's already it was already road hard and put away wet when he got it. Um, well, there's a, yeah, there's Marcus King, there's Billy Strings, there's uh, the guy that was just mentioned. Um, Billy Strings, is he the acoustic player? Um, so. The the guy that does like the uh, the crazy jam band uh, bluegrass stuff that's like giant festival gigs and shit now. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think he's he's a little bit different because he's in a different scene. But I know that he's starting to like come up. But but you can see this evidence, right? So like we're talking about how Gibson is doing this, and they've decided that they're just going to go straight endorsement model, and they're going to look for anybody who plays a Gibson who's younger, and how to address this problem. Um, now, yeah. Fender has one other unique card up their sleeve, um, outside of the guitar idols, and that is the Fender Play Service. And yeah. you buy a Fender, you get you get lessons from Fender on how to play the instrument, which is a good idea. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so Osvaldo's he says I think a lot of the younger generation is really into guitars and the classic rock, like we are. I I do th I do think that's true, um, but I think that paradigm of what classic rock is is shifting too. Um, I'll see. I'll say this as a as a gigging musician before we keep going forward to to that point. I want to say something very positive about a lot of young folks. Now, of course, they're 21, and most of them 21 and older, although really young because I play, um, you know, outdoor gigs where kids, literally children are there. 
Um, and there is something that a lot of people, I think, are missing because they sit at home. And that is that a lot of these young folks love, still love live music. And they love... Um, so how the hell do we get them to the venues? Good music. Because that's a good question. Because that's, that's a good question. Because that's been a giant, and, and and honestly, I think that's a bigger uh, a bigger question. So maybe there's something we revisit in the future. But yep. like, I hear this all the time from people. It's like young people still love live performed music, but yep. they're too busy sitting. And I, believe me, I'm not being. I'm trying not to be like counterproductive. Like I'm an old man. Get off my fucking lawn thing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm gonna find a cloud and yell at it. There but, it is. <laughs> right. But I'm gonna tell you like. How do I get my kids off their damn cell phone and get them to go to a concert or or to go to the when they turn of age to go to a bar and sit and have a beer and watch a band rather than to sit and play with their iPhone? Um, I think it's a lot of a, a lot of it comes actually from them. You know how the the, the uh, smoking thing I'm doing what you did, Dad. Have you have you ever seen people my age driving down the road? I mean, they you do. That's what I'm I'm asking this facetiously. See people my age driving down the road with their fucking face buried in a cell phone or um, yeah. in, the, in a store. Just I, I go to the gym every morning. I mentioned this. I go to the gym every morning. And you know how many people are on their phones while they're working? Out? What are you doing? Put your phone away. Just, I understand you want music. What other, and that's, what, that's our walkman of the day. Jim, but, what other on. time are they going to have to look at porn? Yeah. I, <laughs> Or their OnlyFans page. I'm always like, are they checking their OnlyFans? Are they, are they, are they updating? Their, I mean, what the hell are you doing on your phone? You're trying to work out. They're talking to somebody. It's like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Shut up and work out. You're not getting anything aerobic out of that. I um, mean, there are. So, like. I don't know. There I, are I, guys I, like. Maybe I am an old man yelling at Cloud's mission about that. There are there are younger guitar idols that are, like, sort of, like, cross genres, right? So, there's, like. um. Mateo Sasato, right yep. on Instagram, like for whatever reason, anybody I've I've shown Mateo Sasato in the older generations, like, oh yeah, I know him, or is it not necessarily I know him, like, oh I know that guy's good, like, yeah, you know what I mean. And nobody like bats an eye at saying that Mateo is like an incredibly talented guitar player, but at the same time, like you look at his Instagram followers and stuff, and I'm sure there's like tons of Gen Z and Gen Y in there, um, and that's why I'm like, there's somebody with cross generational appeal. And he's a Sir yep. artist, I think. I think so. Sir artist Jackson pedals. I don't know what. Probably Sir amps as well. Um, I mean, that's somebody that Fender should court, right? Or like maybe even Gibson. Um, yeah. I I, I don't well, see a reason is, not to. Yeah, to their credit, um, they're there for Marcus Marcus Miller. They're there for Christone Ingram. Um, they're there with the. Uh, a lot of people that are um, younger. Uh, it was we talked about Izzy uh, Hale. Well, yeah, Lizzie? so we were going to talk Lizzie about Lizzie Hale. Yes, Lizzie. Lizzie Hale. Um, we were going to talk um, about Lizzie Hale for a second because people are fucking losing their minds. Lizzie Hale has a new guitar out. Um, yeah. This is it, right? And it's uh, the Explorer yeah. Bird. But if you've been on the gear page or in some of the Facebook groups, actually, we'll pull it back up because I want you guys to just be able to see it. Um, Jim informed me. That people are losing their mind over the I'm name of this name. guitar. <laughs> that they're like really, really pissed off that it has an inverted Firebird headstock, and they're calling it the the Explorer Bird. Yeah, 
I think it looks great. I think it it's looks cool. fine. Who gives a shit what you call it? Number one. Number two, it's a Firebird headstock. Whether it's flipped upside down or not, who cares? Um, exactly. So, and then they were talking about, were they talking about banjo tuners or some shit? Like, yep, as well? Yep. It's like, who it cares? Who cares? Steinberger tuners. Oh, my God. Jim, imagine, imagine they didn't build that stupid Time Warp series that Fender, that was it Time Warp or whatever that Fender made that was like, oh, we're going to put Strat necks on telly bodies and, uh, you know, all this yep. craziness. Um, yeah. Like the Paranormal series. Pa paranormal. Who cares? I didn't care about that. Why would I care about this being labeled something funny? Um, I know, which right? isn't really that funny. It's like all based on tiny details. It's like you really want get banjo tuners on this fucking guitar. Like, did you even think about that when you said that? Like, why would you? Why would you reward ignorance? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, why would you? I mean, it's like it's like, it's like saying, um, man, this Les Paul plays so goddamn good. It's not a real Les Paul, right? That's exact. I, I said it deadpan because that's how I feel about it. Like that's exactly what this is. So anyway, that's Lizzie Hill. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a fan. Again, I, I think if you keep scrolling down, go back to that page. Sure. Well, go back to Gibson's page. If you go back to Gibson Generation, go back to, um, well, Gibson's front page. Scroll down underneath the. Uh, I want to know where the, I can get the, the Gibson videos. branded meat cleaver. Yeah, and you'll see G3 Gibson Generation Group. Yeah. And then if you click, you click more, there's a whole, like I said, there's, there's 15 kids that are being, uh, uh, now they're all like, um, I guess prodigious, prodigious. Well, these are the program, um, these are the program mentors. Um, well, there's mentors. And then if you click learn more, you'll see the kids. They're mentors. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that, so they're down below. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so what I'm saying is, yeah. And so there's the kids that are going to mentor. One of these and, kids and is going to be the next. One of these kids is going to be the next Joe Bonamassa. Yeah, I, I mean that's the it's thing. going to be Ren. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I've just I'm you. just like pulling one <laughs> out of my ass. I actually like this clothing. I was like, all right, yeah, that's new wave. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> but you look at these kids, and there's a lot of you know a lot of what the um, hell. Uh, it's Jimmy Page, but he's from Atlanta, Georgia. I know, right? I saw that. This one. is this is good content that right here. I'm so glad you said this overhead. Troy Bell, he looks he looks like um, he belongs in a in an album already. I mean, these kids. Oh yeah, look... for for sure. We got some new we got some new chat messages. Let's acknowledge them for at least for a moment. Uh, so yeah. Osvaldo says uh, Orianti is a talented female guitarist, not mainstream oh, popular. Yeah. Maybe we need more guitarists to pick uh, girls to pick up guitar to bring the guitar back in the market. And, the and that's and yes, and that's, that's group. Predominantly, yep. what we've been saying is like that's the only. So, like, if you're Fender and you're like wanting to increase your market share, right? You're an international company. You see Fenders in every country in the world. Basically, somebody has a right. guitar in their hands. There's a like a probably a forty percent chance it's a Fender. Um, you know, forty percent chance is Gibson and Gibson, and twenty percent is something else. Um, and the reality is that like. Fender has identified that they need to grow in that market because that's the only area of growth they have available to them. And I think yep. Gibson at this point would be totally remiss if they weren't thinking along the same lines. Right. And I, and right. I think I've seen, we've seen more of that Lizzie Hale getting a guitar from Gibson yep. and that whole thing is and she's a, she's highly an indicative. Yeah. 
highly indicative of a company that's paying attention to that trend. Not and, tr and it's not trend, that, it's that area of growth, right? Right, and for folks that don't understand what the ambassador is, that's, that's a level above just getting a signature guitar. Mm -hmm. Lizzie, Lizzie Hale is someone who... You represent Gibson, Gibson's brand, right? Like, right. this is a person that represents all the ideals that Gibson has about, you know, music. That's right. It's, it's a lot more than just being a signature guitarist, and I think that's important. Um, I don't know if, if Fender has, I mean, they do have a lot of female guitar players, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's, there's, is it her, H-E-R? Um. Yeah, I think so. She's a, uh, Fender guitar player. But, um, I don't think, don't get me wrong, I don't think Fender is dissing any of these women, but. It's important for all of them, PRS, Fender, Martin, everybody to, every time somebody says, my fingers are too small, or my fingers are too thin, or my fingers are too this, or my fingers it's are too a, that. It's a geometry issue. Them, that's right. I point them to these girls, these young girls. There's a there's an eight or nine Point them at me. Like, Look at my hands. I got a, yeah. My my short, fat hands. I'm looking for um, something. That, oh, here. Guitar pedal. We all, guitar know, world. we all know what a guitar pedal looks like, size-wise. My hands yeah. are not much longer than a guitar pedal. No, no. Um, if you go to Guitar World site, there's a there's a girl that played um, this incredible uh, guitar thing on an Epiphone Les Paul, um, and uh, she's nine. And so, uh, it, it's <laughs> the people that use that um, as their uh, um, their. Excuse. Let me see what what she played. She played. Um, uh, watch nine year old guitarist Maya Maya. I'm gonna mess this up. Nala Nila Canton uh, tackle Tools 16 minute epic seven empest. I mean, on an Epiphone Les Paul, she got for her birthday. So yeah, let's. <laughs> well, and we know the every generation that comes around like. They have a different style, and they also yep. incorporate a lot of what came before. That's so, right. So, you know, as crazy as it is when you saw see somebody like Tomo Fujita or um, Mateus Asato, yep. like yep. the next generation, or even uh, Tosin Abasi, like, yeah. it terrifies me what I'm going to have to learn to cover some younger band's music if I choose to do that later in life. You know what I mean? Because, yep. like, we got Tosin Abasi... And Mateus Asato and, you know, some of those other guys from the gent genre who are just, like, up here somewhere. You know, they, they've set the bar incredibly high. Um, yep. So there's that, right? Um, yep. And I think that, that we're, we're starting to see the reality that you can't just, oh, look, I put this flag on my page so i'm um, this big company and i put this flag on my page now i've represented uh, i think that they see that they have to do more um than just an instagram post or two they have yeah. to actually somebody should probably tell jeff kiesel that yeah you, <laughs> exactly <laughs> you have to invest real time into um, the things Orianti, obviously she's got a she's got a signature Gibson as well as a signature PRS. Not can not much can be said about many women that have multiple uh, uh, signature guitars across different 
um, things. I know that uh, Nancy um, Wilson has had a few signature Gibson and Epiphones, but um, she's and uh, uh, Ovation. She started with signature Ovations. So um, Orianthia is definitely one who steps out there and does her thing. She's obviously extremely talented. Okay. So before we switch switch gears here. Um, yep. I just want to kind of do a recap. So we, so we've basically covered the fact that like the industry needs to adapt. They need to attract young people to a dying instrument or not at least if it's not a dying instrument, a dormant instrument. Cause I think, mm -hmm. I think dormant's probably a more appropriate word. I, I'm not one of these people that wants to do clickbaity titles and stuff. Um, and that one of the ways that they've done that in the past is to do endorsement deals. I don't know how effective that's going to be because there's not a whole lot of people to endorse. Um, that have the talent level of say like Eddie Van Halen or something today and that's pop star level, right? So like that's the right. thing that people forget about Eddie Van Halen. As technically talented a guitarist as he is, he was also topping the goddamn charts uh, regularly. And that's what is like missing, right? So all these names we've talked about from, from um, just to go down the list, we talked about Sean Mendes, we talked about Mateo Matusco, uh, we're talking about, um, uh, you know, I think we mentioned this a couple other people in this conversation, Mateus Asado and all of these people. And I don't think any of them are necessarily chopped, you know, chart topping with their guitar skills. Um, so let's just keep that in mind. Like these are, these are people that are connected to the guitar community. They're your... Uh, Steve Vai's and Joe Satriani's that like don't really have a huge falling outside of this this industry. Um, yep. So uh, that's that's where I'm going with this. Like, where do what we don't have a guitar wonderkin to prop the industry up right now. So I don't know how that strategy is going to work. But they are trying some other things too. Obviously, you know this thing from CF Martin seemed to be pretty laughable. Them going on TikTok and being like, "Hey, we're the hundred and hundred and." you know, 80 year old guitar company and we're getting on TikTok. Like, yeah. it's like, Oh my well, God. <laughs> it's like a geriatric company getting on TikTok. You know what I mean? Like, it, literally, <laughs> it literally reminds me of the white, what the white house tried to do when they were like, yeah, listen to these TikTokers tell you about, uh, and, and of course they got thrown under the bus because nobody stood behind them when they were asked the hard questions. But the, but the thing is, like you said, if you go into, I don't, I don't have TikTok. I've literally never been on TikTok. I've been on TikTok. I got to tell you, I, it's a complete waste of time. But I can say <laughs> this from the videos I've seen that were shared on YouTube. Um, it's like, there's like four songs or something. And then it's like, everybody What's does the, some uh... video to those songs. And there's like 18 versions of the same song. That, that, I was gonna say there's know. like that one song that gets played over and over and over. I can't remember the name of it offhand. Um, God, we're gonna have to come up with it because I think I'm gonna have to mention it in the next episode. Um, it's one specific song that that like everybody. It's like it's like the track everybody has to learn now to to play yep. guitar. You know, it was Crazy Train for for my generation and whatever, and now it's like this other yep. thing which is like super easy to play. Um, that was yeah. Uh... So anyway, eruption for my generation. <laughs> well, I I learned eruption uh, without tab, and it was funny because like I, I probably can't play it note for note now, but I I could. Can you hear this? Could it? Do I need point. to turn it up for you? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, I learned it, but see, the thing is that like it was accessible, right? So yeah. I could watch oh, yeah. a video and... of him doing the tapping thing, and like well, 
you know what I mean? So it's like a lot easier to to pick that stuff up when you see him doing it. Yeah, for us, it was a picture on the back of a record. Right. Him holding his guitar up like yeah, this. Yeah, and you're like, how the fuck did he play his guitar like that? Like this with his yeah, microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the pictures, too. Yeah. I have that album. That is literally going to be the next one that goes behind me hanging is Van Halen. Because that was, to me... I hate to say it, but that was that was is and still stands to be the test of time for me. The one of the greatest rock albums of all time. Do you know what my favorite Van Halen song is right now? And you guys are all gonna <laughs> laugh. I have to share this before oh, we no. move on to the next segment. Fifty-one fifty. Little guitars. Oh, that is a great song. It is a great song, but it's like totally it ridiculous. The lyrics mean nothing. Yep. It's like it's yep. freaking great. Um, it's but hilarious. the guitar playing on it is freaking awesome. And uh, he played it with a little guitar, which is even more bonkers. Wasn't it like a little? Um, it was a little. It was a little Gibson Les Paul. Les Paul. The custom right? shop yeah. made it for him. Um, yep. Yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so it's it's the That's only amazing. like Les Paul he ever used on record or some shit. And like, speaking before we jump off, speaking of a guitar oh, we're not, player, we're not jumping off yet. We got two segments to go. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, before we leave that segment, is is uh, we we didn't talk about the the mammoth in the room. Yeah, go on. Mammoth, right? I mean, oh that's, yeah. Well, he's I but mean, he's Gibson and or he's Fender endorsed. He's Fender endorsed. So you know, um, he should be Fender endorsed. Uh, it kind of makes sense, right? Since I'm, my understanding is he's like the lead guy over there right now in the in design and and discussion. So I don't know if he's like approving. He's probably approving stuff because because it's so like I'm sure that there's an estate or a trust, but he's like re- leading that trust or whatever. What I'm excited about, and of course, we'll probably get that. Well, we're going to the next part. This is kind of a good segue. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk holiday announcement predictions. Since we're post Nam, um, what do you think is coming for the holidays? I think we're going to get the hollow body EVH uh, thing from uh, the one that he's playing. Yeah, that from, Wolfgang is playing. Wolfgang, right? Because. Uh, I, I think we're going to see that. I mean, it, maybe not for the holiday, but I think it might be ready for the holiday. It, the, the hardest thing, it, usually a company has already, they know what they're going to release the holiday by now. They know it. They know what their numbers are going to be. Sure. They know where you're going to go. It's, it, it, and and it, they, like, they've already developed it. And in some cases, they actually showed it in AM and have an NDA. Right. Um, it's behind a closed door, you know. Yep. It's like yep. here, let me show you what we're what we're bringing out in the in the winter, especially this year because they only have one Nam. Um, right. It's not even clear whether they're going to have a January Nam show. So, my understanding is going to be April or something next year. Um, all right. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna throw some I'm gonna throw some stuff out here. Yeah. That I think may happen. Um, I think we're gonna see new Gibson amps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I I'm 50, so. 50 on that because I think I've been holding off Mesa boogie. I think jumped on that bandwagon. Like, Oh yeah, we're going to make a Gibson amp. And Gibson was like, yeah, we're going to make amps. But I don't think that was really the plan. Um, I think the plan is to maybe now, maybe post pandemic, maybe with the tube shortage, it's to prop up Mesa Boogie and make it like synonymous with the Gibson brand, um, yeah. which which is okay. I mean, I guess um, right. I will tell you, I've seen some very, very strange shit come out of the Mesa Boogie camp 
in the last couple of months, and I haven't been reporting on it because at this point, I think it's pretty clear that it's now Basic Gibson. Um, and um, one of the things that they did that, that I got, I got, and I, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody, and I don't think this is this is um, clandestine information, but I got so I got tubes on order for Mesa through Sweetwater because they're hard to get right now, and I figured I'd just get on a waiting list, right? Well, I got an email yesterday from my rep, and he says, I need your amp serial number and the manufacturer part number for your amp so that I can provide you tubes because Mesa is not selling tubes to people who don't own Mesa amplifiers. Okay. And it's because of the tube shortage. Tube shortage, because we're going to talk about that here in a second too. I think we're going to see a lot of tube-based announcements um ps vein is is now making tubes uh i have heard tales that the shugwang factory is about to come back online um the company that makes our jj right they're about to come back online as well uh ehx is producing tubes again so this whole tube freaking crisis nonsense it's over right and then i wouldn't be surprised to find out that western electric was it it was Western Electric, right? It said that they were gonna make yep. tubes. I wouldn't be surprised they decide not to at the end. Because there's like five new brands coming out, you know, and, and four factories and five new brands. This is more tubes than we've had in like 30 years. Um so that's a that's an announcement that I think is we're gonna see is that like maybe that Western Electric will not be producing tubes at the end of the day. Um Maybe they do. Maybe they say, you know what? It's it's worth it for us to enter this market. I think their prices just went up because there are more alternatives at the lower end, so it doesn't really make sense for them to position themselves to be super competitive. Um, if they're going to provide a quality product, you provide a quality product at a price that matches. Um, I don't know. You guys can wait on that one in the comments below. And you're watching us on YouTube. If you are, if you are uh, <laughs> like and subscribe uh, hit the notification bell. If you're listening to this in the podcast, uh, please, in your chosen podcast app, leave a review of our podcast. And if it sucks, let us know. Because a review is good review, regardless of whether it's good or bad. Uh, just be constructive. Because we, we have had episodes where we literally read our, <laughs> our, our uh, comments. Um, I'll, I'll say this. It looks like they're still just producing the 300B. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They're, they're, they, I, I said it from the beginning. That's a year out. You won't even see, we, we won't even hear if about those do. tubes. Yeah, if they actually turn it into a reality, which they yeah. can pull the plug on that at literally any moment. So anyone that thinks that like that was a done deal, who knows? Um, yeah. I think we're going to see more announcements about Sweetwater expanding their business, uh, despite what uh, a certain other YouTuber who I will not mention because he really pissed me off, um, because he took shots at other YouTubers, and I didn't like that. Uh, we were regarding the... So this week, it was announced that Sweetwater opened another distribution facility, and yeah. said YouTuber said directly to the audience that other YouTubers were being silly and saying that they were going to expand internationally and take on Toman. And I'm like, dude, it's been like six months. Are you fucking crazy if you think that's not going to happen? Like... right. It's just bonkers. Um, in fact, them building a facility out on the West would certainly be a lot closer to California 
and would allow them to make pit stops with the, with stuff on the way to shipping it out of the country into Asian markets. So, right. you know, maybe you can pretend like you understand logistics, but you probably don't. Logistics is a very complicated business. Um, and so I would say that that is all going to change in the next two years. It's yeah. it's it's that long of a timeline for them to start marketing overseas. Yeah. Um, and if there, if Sweetwater had any sense, I don't necessarily know that you would be looking at just expanding by building facilities and just expanding your business model that way. I if I were if I were in charge over there and I was a betting man, I'd be looking at buying companies that are already in those markets that I can afford right. to help That's prop right. up the business model. And on top of that, I would also probably be thinking about maybe forming some shell companies that would help me insulate myself tax-wise in the United States. Um, oh, no. Amazon does not sell more guitars than Sweetwater. No no way in hell. Not even the cheap ones. No no way. Uh, it's funny because Amazon sells like a ton of shit, but but we know what, what Sweetwater's numbers are because of the deal when Chuck, when Chuck transitioned, and they are easily... The biggest guitar dealer in the United States, without question. Yeah. Um, it's it's unfathomable the amount of money that Sweetwater handles uh, for U.S. distribution, and it's funny because they rival Toman, who who sells guitars to all of Europe and parts of Eurasia, um, yeah. and even here in the states. Like they are, it, it would not be a shock to see them take on Toman. That's really their only competitor at this point. Um, so yes, there is potential for Amazon would love that. Okay. Amazon would love to sell more guitars to the general public than guitar center or Sweetwater. I just don't see that happening because even amongst young people, the, the idea of Amazon being the place you want to go to buy that kind of stuff is like, right. Nobody wants to do that. Um, because they sell cheap stuff. Yeah, so and, uh, I think it was Dylan talks tone, but the fact is that there is a lot of cheap stuff sold, but there's a lot of expensive stuff sold, and um, Amazon does not cater to Amazon is U.S. Wish. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to. I yeah, so wish.com for the United States. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it is. Um, it, it is. No, it really is. Like I that. Mean, so there was a marked shift about ten years ago when they were selling like premium products and books and uh, food items, like you could buy, you didn't get like food items like you can get now, but you could get like soups and stuff on there, canned goods yep. and that kind of thing. And that was, they were like Sam's club in that regard. And you could go there and you could get the products and they were decent stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, Oh, you want to buy an iPhone, an iPhone cable? Oh, we got the Amazon basics brand and we got these yep. Chinese brands and it started creeping yep. up and it started with marketplace, but now it's like, it's just taken over Amazon directly. Um, oh, yeah. And it's um, the, number of, the number of Amazon products that are literally um, ripoffs of. And their... most of it's the same manufacturers putting yep. different labels on the same product and pricing them yep. differently, which is even more hilarious. You buy three yep. or four cables on Amazon and it's like the same cable with a different label on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and on top of that, the Amazon Basics brand, you know how they get the Basics brand? They look at the best, they buy a bunch of the best products in a yep. class 
rated. And then they, and then they pick reproduce. one and they say, this is Amazon Basics. And then they have them put a label on it. Like, right. it's... That's what they're trying to do with the guitar market, too. And I and and while I think that at some point that that might be, like, a big thing, um, just because... I Here's the way I want to frame this. Because we participate in gear groups online and because we see people's gear online and people are, like, really excited about Fireflies and you go to a YouTube video and there's 5,000 people and they're talking about Firefly, that's all the owners on the internet right there who are really excited about Fireflies. <laughs> like, it's not like this is, you know, you're going to walk... You know, I haven't walked into a venue yet I've never and seen, seen a, Firefly a Firefly. Like, I know they're out there. I know someone who owns one, but it's like, yep. this is not... This is still not the level of, like, a Squire or a Fender. I've literally never seen a Firefly in person. Um... And year over year, so like those numbers, like I said, that that those numbers are granted. If Amazon really wanted to push, I think they could probably sell more guitars in Sweetwater. I do, right. um, and that's terrifying to me because it would it would totally destroy our industry. I mean, not just destroy it; it would be like this this like um, pattern of uh, doubling down for cheapness, and then like nothing good being available at all um, because it would all be cheap shit. That's that's what they sell. I mean, you go go on Amazon. Like it's it's pretty staggering if you see any of the other industries where they've literally just squeezed out the market. Like yep. for example, the the basics cables for like the iPhone, like if you go to Target, they have their own brand now that's just like it. Um Heyday, I think it's called, and it's that's what they're going to do to guitars. Like it's going to be the situation where everybody has to race to the bottom to compete. And we don't want that. Yeah. That's a bad idea. That's a really yeah. bad idea. Um, well, you know, this reminds me of, and and uh, JHS uh, did a comedic, um, uh, to me, comedic release of all those white and black pedals. The, mm -hmm. the, their, um, uh, what is it, three, not series three pedals. Yeah. Um, when the, uh, the release of all of these, like, um, uh, generics in the 80s and 90s you would go to the store and you would get you would see brand it was generic literally you didn't know who was making it week week to week month to month year to year it was just a white box with a black lettering and it would say <laughs> cigarettes or it would say soda i mean it was <laughs> and it's like that that is the race to the bottom though and and it's the race to the bottom of the of the um, thing. Now, when economies get bad, and we're seeing that right now, when economies get bad, there is a race to the bottom by a lot of people to purchase the things that there they was a race need. to the bottom. We were talking about solid state amps in the beginning of this episode. That's what yeah. happened there. There was a race to the bottom. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up something. Uh, there was an amp. Mm -hmm. Um, I always call it the harmonic percolator, but it wasn't. The oh harmonic yeah, percolator. It was. Yeah, it looked like a percolator. No, 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 no. Oh, oh. I, there was another thing I wanted to share too. We'll we'll, we'll get there. So this, let me get this going here. That is the PRS HG70 harmonic generator amp. It is okay. a solid yeah. state PRS amp head. Oh yeah. That when they came out were like two thousand bucks, and this amp sounds really good. Yep. <laughs> if you ever heard clips of it, 
They, the reason they stopped producing is because nobody bought them. Why would you not right. buy one? Because it's solid state. And that stigma was already, that, that race to the bottom was happening. Right? Um, yep. And so, um, this is this is a unique, this right here is a unique thing. Um, right. And there are other amps like this. Legend, okay, uh, is another company. It was a really big thing, but there was a race at the bottom, and then we ended up with shit. And now the only solid state amps yeah. you can get are shit. Um, right. So even like when I was young, jazz guys still talked about solid state amps as being a thing that they wanted. Now, mm-hmm. even they're yeah, using the deluxe. Jazz, it, now even they're using deluxe reverbs them. and stuff. So. Yep. Yeah. Just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. What so, else do you think is coming for the holidays? Um, Other than the stupid rinky-dink shit we always see. Tuners of a different color or, um, you know, uh, that kind of silly shit. I think we might get a Fiore next year. Next Christmas. Se Se Fiore. Yep. Yeah. Um, it could conceivably come this Christmas, but I think that would be bad for sales of the USA ones. Yeah. Um, that guitar has been from everybody I've talked to. It's like, it's that you're either into that or you're into the silver sky. Yep. And yep. PRS would be kind of silly if they didn't have them both in the lineup for SEs. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny because I think at first some people and possibly even the marketing folks at PRS thought that the SE version of the silver sky was going to, Somehow damaged sales of the uh, the American made one. No, if anything, it spurred. Yeah, because I think sales. some people were like, "I'm not buying the the real I'm one. Buying I'm the buying American. the real uh, one. I'm gonna get a man's guitar." Uh, <laughs> you know, I get a real man's guitar. Well, I'm just saying they're puffing up their chest because that's what they do. Yeah, I um, mean, this is a great guitar. I I, I enjoy this guitar. And so it, it ain't going nowhere. But um, it's funny that that um, there's so many people who said it. I'm I'm ex- I'm excited to see the the DGT um, SE and the Fiore SE, and I'll probably get them both. I mean, um, it's one of those things. I think we're gonna see more lightweight speakers from um, some of these. I said the holiday announcement, but some of these things may happen by the end of the year. I think we're going to see, and this is a very informed prediction. I -hmm. think we're going to see a uh, Tone King solid state head. Um, Yeah. I, I, why not? They've done every other (laughs) amp line that they've got there. It's, it only seems logical that we get a Tone King. Um, And I don't know what other brands they produce at Boutique. But I wouldn't shock me if there's not more at boutique amp distributors or distribution yeah. uh, in the works that are just class D with a power amp. Yeah. Um, if that's your jam, Tone Kings is probably going to be really good because it's a clean amp, right? Like you're not going to rely on a, right. power, a lot of power tube saturation to make that thing go. Um, yep. And they don't have a distortion pedal right now or like an, like an amp in a box pedal, I don't think. So that would be a very interesting um, thing to see because I think that might be the one where they sort of break out of the mold and do some different stuff. So as I've made fun of the Friedman one, I think 
a Tone King one might be really cool. Um, yeah. But that really just depends on, you know, whether they get away from the idea of just using a bone stock class D amp. Um, I think there's a very good chance that we're going to see new products from Line 6 at Winter. Um, What do I think we're going to see from Line 6 at Winter? I don't know. Uh, I would not be surprised if we don't see an inexpensive boss guitar. Uh, I have said that the reason that the Urus or the Urine constellation Urine, um, yeah. Hashtag what the hell were they thinking? Um, is, is a $2,000 guitar. I have not heard anyone excited about it, but not one same thing happened with the was ahead, which came out, made a big splash and then disappeared. Um, I would not be shocked if the Urus doesn't come back as a inexpensive import guitar with some pretty cool features for U.S. market to go along with the Katana line of amplifiers. That thing is twenty four hundred dollars, and it lacks features of other twenty four hundred dollars in the price range, so it can have the stupid SY one hundred effects in it. Don't let's let's not redo that episode. Let's let's not. No. Um no. That was that was fun to rip on while the I it's th- lightweight. <laughs> it's I, under I think we'll see new guitars from Fender. I would not be shocked if they don't start revamping some of the uh, professional line that they did. And I think you'll see the prof- when Fender updates, I think from now on what you'll see is the professional line will change first and then you will see yep. the models below it change you know, six months later and then a year later. Right. Um, just because there's a, they realize that people want to buy, uh, they will buy the more expensive one if it changes first and then it will trickle down and then everybody will get the other ones. Um, so they haven't done a line update, I think for the professional series in five years, maybe more. And that basically lines up with sort of where they do a refresh. And right now the refresh would be to keep the price down. I think we'll see some cost-cutting features that they will sort of turn on their head and be like, "Well, this is th- this is this sounds better. This is what people have been asking for." Even though, yeah, reali- yeah, yeah. Rea- realistically, it's it's to save some money because they can't sell guitars that are too expensive, um, right? So, I can't imagine those Euroses flew off the. The other holiday announcement predictions is not an announcement. This is a prediction. I think you're going to see companies trying to ship things as cheaply as they can. And that means Fender taking a look at how it packages things, potentially cheapening that, which I don't know how you can cheapen it because if you've ever opened a Fender guitar, as it comes out of the box, Jim, I'm sure you have. It's it's amazing they arrive intact, is it not? Um, oh, yeah. It is just freaking unbelievable what they look like when they come out of a box. Um yeah. Gibson could never get away with that. <laughs> yeah, because their guitars are more fragile. I mean, it's just it, right, like, right, right. That's right. what I'm saying. Could um, never get away with it. So I look for even Gibson is going to be looking for ways to ship guitars cheaply. Um, yep. And that might mean some environmental impact. They could get them into some trouble because I think. So if you ever seen how Chinese guitar ships, they use those foam blocks and they just, it's like in a foam coffin and they just yeah. tape around it and it shows up at your house <laughs> like that. And, yeah. um, so when these companies start to reanalyze how they're going to do this stuff, I look for them to be doing egg crate carton 
like compression fittings for, for guitars to ship them because at some point that's going to be more cost effective than paying the gasoline um, to ship a bigger box. Yeah, so, the more you can get into a container, um, mm -hmm. the less you're going to pay. And these containers are getting expensive. Um, well, I mean, fit the price of gas is what? 200% of what it was yeah. last year? Um, yeah. And it's going to go up. They're talking about a $10 gallon of gas potentially um, next year, seeing that early next year. And um, I don't know that we're actually going to see those prices, but I, but I do know that it's becoming... It is becoming well, a real problem. Um, I drive a diesel. I'll be at $6 by the end of the summer. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at $5.50 right now. It costs me $75 to fill up. It will be $100 a tank this year. I will yeah. see $100 a tank this year. Yeah, um, We're going to see people pulling back on a lot of things. You're going to see the used market start to crumble. Yeah. Um, uh, well, as gasoline think, as gasoline prices go up, you're going to see people with less expendable income. That's when the used you know what I think. I, you know what else I think you're going to see? And and I called this. I called this, uh, and I said, "You wait a couple years from now. Um, we're we're in that few month period where it's going to happen. You're going to see people start to dump that expensive shit they bought over the COVID time frame when they were stuck in home and they and they because." Um, uh, there was a big announcement out now moving towards that. Uh, Elon Musk announced everybody at Tesla and Tesla's only the, the you know, the, the head of the tip of the spear with this. People are going to start getting called back to work. You cut 40 hours at work, which means they want people come back to work. And when you when you see that and you see um, places, um, you know, what's interesting uh, about that, Jim. Yeah, I want to I want to preface that a little bit because that's that's been getting tossed around a lot that he's invited or he's not invited. that He's told executives they need to work a 40 hour week in the office. Um, nope. He's not doing that in any of his other companies. And there is some people suggesting that he's doing that to trim the fat in the office and see who's committed to te Tesla success. So just keep that's that. In mind. He said keep that. Yeah, in mind. He said straight up that uh, um, you I'll pay you not to work some or no. I'll have somebody somebody else can pay you not to work for them. Um, yeah, I think he might have seen that some people weren't doing the output. We, I'm in a position, believe it or not, my position has gone to strictly remote, which is hundred percent. Yeah, we're. Yeah. I mean, we're we're one day a week, and I think a lot of companies are adopting a model like that. And I, so here's yeah. the one thing we were talking about the economic impact of this, right? And people finally like starting to realize they're not, they don't have the disposable income and have to dump some of the stuff they bought during COVID. Um, yeah. I think that largely depends on whether they're the people that already had money. So Correct. like, so like, that's when I, th th that's what I was going to preface this with this. I think we tend to make an assumption that, that people do well, like, like you and I do, I, mean, I said earlier in the episode, I do well for my generation. Um, mm -hmm. And I think people tend to, you know what I mean? Like they tend to look at this from a different perspective and they think, oh, well, everybody's like me. The reality is there's a whole hell of a lot of people in this country that didn't buy that stuff when they got those checks because they needed to pay their rent and stuff. And I think that the people that did have enough disposable income to hang on to most of it. And I think that's the that's the fear I have. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. We will. We'll see if my prediction pans out. We will. Um, actually, I hope it does, or I hope it does. I, I'd love to get, snag some stuff, but I have yeah. a feeling, just given the fact that people have been listing to stuff at exorbitant prices, 
I don't think I don't think that's a reality at this point. Um, no, we'll I think people are people are willing to wait to get top dollar right now to the point where it's going to be quite scary when if people start like throwing things away. That's like that's like oh you you think eight percent inflation is bad? <laughs> that's like twenty. <laughs> okay, uh, that's that's yeah. borderline depression territory right there. So anyway, um, do you got any more predictions or can we move on to gig reports? Yep. Because I don't really have a gig report tonight, but I do have a concert report. I don't have a gig report at all. We, we, um, I did some uh, rehearsing uh, with the other guitar player at uh, um, his place this week. Got I'm catching together. mayflies. Um, if you wonder why. I'm... About, <laughs> what's, our, what's our opinion of Ibanez amps? You know, Ivan has made a really cool amp for a while, and I almost got one. Remember the the TA five um, or whatever? Yeah, yeah, those were cool. The um the ones that had the built in tube screamer. Yeah, um, those are really cool amps. I actually really dug. I I plugged into two of them, and I I thought it was like that's a sleeper amp. Um, I should have gotten big one round warm tones, sort of like a Fender yep. Deluxe, and yep. the, the tube screamer. And it was like whatever. At least, at least from yeah. my perspective. But those were really cool amps. I, I don't know. I, they may still be doing them. Um, I know they were sort of popular. Yeah. Um, they were sort of going for that Tone King aesthetic too. Because um, yep. I think I remember seeing them with the long like stick legs, like old TVs at one point. Um, I think those were gone by the time I tried them. But like I remember plugging in it going, man, I thought this thing was just going to be a turd. And it, it, it actually like surprised the hell really out of nice. me. I think we I think yep. we actually recommended those those at one point on the show. We yeah. went, we did one of our fantasy rigs. I think one of us picked uh picked one of those for like the under a thousand dollar rig or whatever. Um, I think that was me. But yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I like I'm that looking at too. one right now. It if you've got a chance um to get one of those, I, honestly, you could do worse. Uh Osvaldo, that that is um, those are nice little amps. I got to play through one, um, actually a couple of them. One was a head and one was a combo over at Guitar Center, and uh, they they really uh, shocked me uh, because I had never heard of them before. And I see it and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And it was green and white, the one I mm-hmm. saw, um, and uh, it was a TSA model, which I. I don't know where they come up with tube, their sc- tube screamer. Oh, is that what the TS yeah, made? Tube screamer A class, I think, or something oh. like that, or tube yeah. screamer, or was it TS? I don't, I don't remember, but it, or maybe it was yep. TA for like tube screamer amp. I don't know, yep. but it was like, yeah, that makes sense. Tube it was different. Amp. It was different than they did those um, tone core amps or whatever they were, and yep. those things were kind of bad tone blasters right. or whatever. Right. There was, um, I do, re- I do actually remember seeing play somebody play one on at a jam with one recently, yeah. and it actually kept up, but it was not like it was not as good as what other people had there. Um, right. But those were solid state, and they were practice amps. the 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 TS was gigable. Yep. Um you could yep. take that in and mic it up, and it was fine. So, yep, sounded great. Anyway, you were doing your, uh, your concert report. So I went to. Um, I didn't. I didn't have any gigs this weekend. I didn't do anything like that right now. Uh, I am still sort of like reeling from the fact that I finished my guitar parts. I'm still doing a little bit of work on that. Um, we're we're looking at uh, engineers now to mix. So that's the next uh, the next step, right? 
Um, so taking a step back and, um, my wife and I bought tickets back in April for musical box. I think I've seen musical box while we were doing a show before. So this might be sort of a retread, but basically what the musical box is, is a 1970s Genesis cover band that does the Peter Gabriel era of Genesis. Now this is a really special show. Um, let's see if I can find some pictures while we're talking about it. Um, this show has uh, the famous Lamb Lies Down um, uh, performance. Like, it, that's what they're doing, basically. It's like same set list because it's a concept album anyway. Um, yep. But it is all about the set and the stage show that goes along with this. And yep. I got to admit, like, I was sort of taken aback. I've seen this band before several times, but this was the best I'd seen them. Um, and I've seen them by several times. I mean, I think I've seen them five times now. Um, so more than a couple times. Let me share my browser window here. Um, so this is like what you see when you go. I wish I could make this bigger without like not sacrificing everything because we're going to get all this crap down here. Um, so you can see. So this is uh, one of the songs. He's actually in the uh, the guy that does the Peter Gabriel thing. He's inside this uh, curtain, and it spins, okay? And it's on it is the Lamia, which is uh, like snake-like beings. Um, that The song is about him being uh, sort of siren-songed by the Lamia. And uh, they have the slideshow, so these are all the original slides from the 1970s. Now, the version we saw was cut down because they actually had not been able to perform this show in smaller venues. So now they use a full projector instead of um, the original the original setup, which was more like this. Um, mm -hmm. It had these three projectors and this stage set. So this is actually from an earlier tour, um, but that's that's essentially what what uh, what their stage set looked like. Now the crazy thing is when when he's performing, I mean, he comes out and he's wearing this outfit, and he does like five or six costume changes while the songs are going on. Um, and it doesn't feel tacked on. In fact, the jams, in some cases, where he's like going off to change, they're jams, and they are like legitimately much better than what you would expect because the record doesn't have them, and you don't realize how good they're actually going to be. Uh, I've heard, you know, there is a live recording of this in the box set. I have it. It is exceptional. Um, it. I would say they actually were doing a better job than what's on the live recording. Um, nice. So. Like in this, this this shot right here, he's laying on the floor. One of the songs he does laying on the floor, singing to the audience like a, you know, he's acting right essentially. And right, he's right. Act, he's acting as the character of Rail, who is the main the main focus of it. Um, but then there's this other stuff. Like let's let's find um. Let's just let's just go right to it. I'm sure we're going to find the Slipper Man costume. Oh my God, they got him in Lego form. Okay, so. Oh my god! <laughs> this this costume is bizarre. Yep, so yep, first off, he's bo that. he's born like he comes out of this tube from from the the rocks there at the back of the stage, and yep. he he comes out and like he's got this whole dance thing that he like in the way that he moves and stuff. He kind of wiggles yep. around like he's drunk or what whatnot, and then he attaches a tube to his rear end that then inflates his testicles. 
Okay, so he walks around with with testicles that are inflated, and then in part of the song, he actually gets his uh, hoop de hoo uh, cut off, and <laughs> so it's part of the story because it's about emasculation. The story is about emasculation. Let's just let's just get through that right now, and so like then he disconnects the thing, and yeah. they deflate. And that is actually like a, a big part of the performance aspect of the song. Now, it, I mean, obviously, there's like the comedy element of this. Like, I'm telling this story, and I want everybody to understand that, like, that's not supposed to be taken seriously. But yeah. it is. It is emasculation in the Greek sense. So it's like him right, having right. his manhood, manhood removed, and yeah. um, a lot of this concert thing is in the Greek sense. It is very much like symbolic yep. of other things that are going on. So um, that's probably the the most involved, elaborate costume of the show is the Slipper Man. And yeah. it's later in the back half. And I sort of think like he knew that the, the first half was going to be a tour de force. And he knew he had to prop up the back half with some of the more interesting stuff like that. Um, in yeah. previous performances, you see him wear things like this. This is the um, this is death. Uh, and it's an interesting take on death, but it's geometry and math. Yeah. So if you actually think about death in that perspective, like it's a very unique take. Um, but this is cerebral music, right? This is music that you're supposed to think about and not just enjoy. But what I will take away from this in terms of the performance and what I learned and what I wanted to share with our listeners was that when you see that, when you see this performed and you see and you or and or you listen to the record. So there are things you miss from the record. And when you see this band live, and this is why I want to keep live music live, because when you see stuff like this, you realize, oh, shit, I missed the point. Um, because the albums don't do it justice. The production was not skewed in such a way as to actually serve the songs. Because those songs are about aggression. This album is borderline progressive punk. You've got a guy oh. that is angry as hell. He's singing songs about like doing graffiti and beating people up in the streets and throwing Molotov cocktails. And like, now I don't want our listeners to take this the wrong way, but literally sexually assaulting people because he's a, he's gangbanger. That's what he is. Okay. That's, that's what this character is. And it's about like his assault and what created this gangbanger persona. And the fact that like he grew up in a society surrounded by religion and drugs and and women that were throwing themselves at him and all this other things and they created this per, this this basically evil persona but at the, but at the core of it all he's still this emasculated little boy and that's driving a lot of this whole thing so it's a very freudian like approach to music and a very freudian approach to the concept but how can you get that across if the drums are so goddamn compressed that you can't hear any dynamic levels and I'm I'm talking about when you see this band, it's like, dun, 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 and you're like, what the hell? Like, that's not on the record. Like, I don't remember it being that loud in that that place. Like, um, and it makes a huge impact on these songs. Or even, even the um the stuff that like some of the synth stuff can be really, really sharp and like not not like pitch wise, but like cutting. And very aggressive sounding, or even almost to the point of being distortion. Um, and that stuff is not on the record because the way that they recorded it, whoever the producer and engineer was, was about 
making the song sound a certain way. And it's like, no, just make it sound like the goddamn song in the room. Because I guarantee you when they played it back in the, you know, in the studio, they were playing it like they do on stage. I mean, right. Um, I and think there, the, there are challenges put with bands like perspective this. perspective for the people who are listening right now. Genesis formed in 67. These songs were recorded. This is recorded in 73 and 74. And, and it, yeah, final tour was in 74. So, um, this was before Phil Collins stepped out and became the lead singer. Yeah, I this mean, was when Peter Gabriel was the lead singer. And then Peter Gabriel and him remained friends for years, which is why he's all, yeah. this is why Phil's all over Peter Gabriel's albums as and a drummer. Peter is on, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's what you've got to like, you got to take take away from this is that like, yeah, there's there's unheard music out there that, and yeah. I, I'm very familiar with this now. But we, we talked about the show before this band specifically is like recreating this music. It's not just for them. It's not um, go out and perform it and put on the costumes. The costumes are a central integral part of this music. That's why they're doing the costumes. But it's really about um, like the, the almost classical interpretation of it. So right. if you go back, I'm going to turn this off for a second. So if you go back and you think about how classical music gets performed, right? Um, what somebody looks like in classical music is not important because that was never part of the, it's not in the liner notes for the, you know, for the, for the, uh, um, I don't want to say liner notes, but it's not in, it's not in the written, the written music, right? Like you don't see above Allegro, you don't see, uh, you know, uh, conductor, you know, shakes ass, you know, like you don't see that or, or inflates, you know, inflates nipples. Like you don't see that in the, in the, but, but that's a core element of this music. It was written to be performed this way. And so this is nothing more than a, like a conservatory of rock and roll musicians. Right. Right. It's performance art. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like when I went to see Buckethead, it was performance art. Yeah. He's another classic example of of a artist that, if you went to see somebody perform Buckethead songs and he just played the songs, you'd be like, what the fuck? And I can, I can tell you that, that as a kid of the eighties and the seventies, some of the, some of my favorite tours were bands who had performance art. Electric yeah, like, Light Orchestra. Kiss. Had a, had a, Kiss was a performance art. So many people are Kiss fans. And then the people who only heard them are like, I don't get it. Yeah. Just because like, it wasn't about that. Show. It was about like the whole extra add-on well i don't like rocky horror picture show but that's because i just don't like oh, it. oh you know what i mean <laughs> but I, it, yeah. it wasn't something that you took in i've tried at home. <laughs> it, it was something you took in in the theater you had to be a part of the thing now it doesn't mean you would like it just saying it's part of it. iron maiden was the same way for me i loved iron maiden because that's another performance art band the performance and art every was just, but the thing with them is the tour is inconsistent like right. they don't do it the same way every tour every song no. is different so like so classic examples like genesis when they played um because they did two tours where they were playing suppers ready it's the same costume changes and it's right. the same it's the same stage show with my maybe minor alterations same thing right. with like um watcher the skies there's another song they do and it's like that music was designed to be performed that way now i actually right. know that wasn't true because some of those songs were designed before they started doing the costumes. But once it started taking off and started working, it was like, okay, Peter Gabriel kind of went off on his own and said, 
this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to design these songs around the stage performance and the stage performance right. is going to be a critical element of this. Um, yeah. Pink Floyd was another one that was very performance art. When I saw Pink Floyd, doesn't matter what years or decades, actually, that I saw Pink Floyd. They were entertainers. It was very performance art. Yeah. Even ACDC was performance art. Mm-hmm. ACDC was not... The Eagles was a musician entertainment thing. That was... Like, when I went to see Dream Theater, that's the classic example of the opposite of this. It's another right. highly technical band. Because, by the way, the music that, that they're playing, I mean time signature changes all over the place yeah. like there's literally parts where the drummer is blowing a whistle so everybody knows where the one is um and that kind of stuff and so so to to, to go on the other side of this like dream theater plays incredibly complicated music and they have a nice light yep. show behind them and, and they, they have a nice video behind still. them but they just <laughs> stand there yeah. i mean it's not like you're gonna see john petrucci um you know pulling out a knife and cutting his guitar strings or, you know, um, Jordan Rudess is not going to, is not going to go crazy over in the corner. And James Labrie is certainly not going to stage dive or anything like that. It is that level of like, actually James, because he's an opera singer, he's really trained not to do that kind of stuff. He's trained to like sort of hold his position and hold his ground so that he can deliver the, you know, the goods basically. You look at the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and that's a, and pretty much just what you were talking about with the other thing, there's their show. If you see certain songs that they perform, yeah, they do it pretty much the same way. way. Each time you go, the performance and the and the the um, uh, host and everything else, the video, the light show, everything, the the explosions, literally mm-hmm. that happen in the background, the flames. Um, you can feel those those flames aren't fake when you go to see TSO. It should be fake. Yeah, so it's it, so you can feel the heat. <laughs> that was one of the things. So this is the cut down show. So I I wanted to I wanted to kind of cut back for a second. This yeah. is the cut down show. So even though they're like doing their best, they had to make some accommodations because they're bringing this to smaller venues. So to give you right. an idea of how exclusive this show is, they do it once every ten years. They yep. do this tour. This is uh so they recreate five different tours, six different tours now, and then they have an extravagant bands event they also do, which is like mm-hmm. a celebration, does stuff from all different time periods. Um yep. and when you see this show, this is the one that they do like every five or ten years. It's an anniversary show. It's really hard for them to put on, but they finally figured out a way to bring it to smaller venues. And that's great. Um, I think some people were like kind of I, I got the impression that some of the other people around us um, were kind of like, wow, that really, where's the, where's the flash pot? Uh, Cause they had flash, right, they had right. a big flashlight instead, like a flashing light yeah. that, that looked like a flash pot went off. Um, and it's kind of like, well, you, you, you've heard a great white, right? Like you can't yeah. really use a flash pot in, this, in a, in a plate. Well, not only in a place that's like got historical status, which is where right. we saw him. We saw him in a place that actually has a historical status uh, around here. And so it's like, what yep. do you, you think was going to, I mean, you, th- you thought they were going to like light shit on fire or, you know, like, yeah. what? Um, so, you know, I, I, I sort of get some of that. And, and like, the other thing is just to share some of the audience story, like my wife and I are usually the, only, the youngest ones there. Um, we never see people, uh, I actually have seen Deacon Blues. I saw them at a festival 
uh, Osvaldo, and they actually are really good. Um, so anyway, so we were at, uh, we were at, it's, it's the Arcata Theater, and we're like looking down, and like I'm looking for young people, and you just don't see them, even when you're walking around the venue, you just don't see them. So my wife yeah. and I were sitting there in masks, and I, I have, I gotta say, I have been in, a, I have been in situations where, um, especially in in venues like this where people have like literally asked me like questions about the band like and it's all you can tell they know the answer but it's like what is he really doing here you know what and i mean and then and them. then i and not only do i not not only do i know the answer but i know more about the band than they do which is yeah. usually the case um and it it can be quite amusing but like we had some stuff like that happen so there's a guy behind us and he was like talking about this and that and the other thing but then there were parts of the slipper man that he didn't know about because he's like oh my god what is that tube and i'm like I'm just sitting there thinking, he's going to get born, man. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, maybe you don't understand how this works, but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, and then there was another dude who was, like, yelling in the middle of the performance at these two guys that were sitting next to him. Like, just having a conversation, but screaming so I could hear him. And he was like, I hope they play X. And And the guy's like, that's not on this album. This is a concept album that they're doing. And he's like, every time I've seen him, they played X. And he he was he was fucking irate. Like he was angry. Like, I came here to see oh, yeah. that song. And it was Cinema Show, but he's like, I came here to see that song. And I'm just kind of like, dude, well, at least he fucking didn't come chill. There to see <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? Like, where why is it Phil singing? No. Why aren't um, they why aren't they playing Abaca uh, <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, like uh, you know, where's Lonely Man? Anyway, um, we're, we're sitting there uh i'm listening to this of course we we always when we leave a venue we just sit around there is no reason for you to try to book it out of a place as fast as fucking possible so a complete waste of time because yep. and i've seen people get in accidents and shit because they're trying to race um yeah. so i'm just like fuck it let them leave I, they can go 10 minutes early i ain't got nowhere to be so we're just hanging out right and i always do the people watching them when the people are filing out and the guy walks past us and they had a new drummer, right? And he's fantastic. Super, super dynamic. Um, and their their sound guy right now is just, he's off the chain. Like, really good. They they need to not let that guy go. Um, it's the best I've heard him. And I saw him one night where they sounded just absolutely unfathomably good. Um, they have better sound people than some of the other bands I've seen. Like, locally, that, that get higher billing. Okay. So they, they've lucked out. I don't know how they did that, but they did. Um, anyway, this guy walks past and he goes, they got a new drummer and he sucks. And I looked at my wife and I was like, is he on crack? Like, what the hell is he even talking about? I was like, if anybody up there, we saw um, we saw problems with the bass, the bass player, the guy that does Mike Rutherford. We saw problems with uh, Steve Hackett the guy that does the Steve Hackett thing, we saw problems with the keyboard player. Um, the keyboard player was having problems all night long. His equipment was not working right. And of course, they're using shit from the 70s. So it's like big surprise, okay. right? Nothing works. Um, now, Mike Rutherford is actually using Squire's. He's he, We did a whole episode about it. Uh, he's using Squire bullets. Yeah. And yep. they're, they're... So what they do is they buy a bunch of bullets. So... so there's a long story about it, but he was in, he was in, uh, 
he was stuck in South Africa, right? I think it was South Africa. Yeah, I think it was South Africa. And so he needed a guitar, he needed a guitar, so he went down to the store and he bought a Squire Bullet. And then he yep. started he actually liked that guitar. Once the pandemic was over yep. and he's allowed to travel, he came back to, to England and then they started buying more of them. And then when he did that tour, the last domino tour, he was playing Squires and Fenders on tour because yep. the Squires were dirt cheap and they would just rip all the components out, the bridge, everything, yep. replace everything. And replace them. Which is yep. why we were like, Yeah, he sort of plays squires now. Um, um there's a guy named Jack uh, Jack Pearson. Um, famous guitar player who plays Squires famously, mm-hmm. um, and he plays him stock. Yeah, um, he's the guy it, that has like incredible tone with him too, because of the yeah. way he plays specifically, it just fits him. He just has a touch. He's just got a touch. Uh, but yep, yeah. Again, Mike Rutherford, and obviously Mike Rutherford's incredible. Um, but his tech eh, said that, he was better back when when he was playing double well, neck and playing bass and guitar. And the bass pedals on the floor, yeah. <laughs> like when he was multitasking. Pedals, he works a lot less but, hard than he used to. Yeah, but the point is, I saw him with Mike and the Mechanics too, and I and I loved them then. But um, the uh, the point that I'm making is that um, I really enjoyed uh, his playing, and and obviously his tech has already said that they take the Squires and they they, they got pull him. the yeah yeah they got him. Not that there's anything wrong with that. that we've, we've talked about that before. Taking a Squire, gutting it, sure. turning it into a better guitar. A lot of guitar players hey, do that. Why not? If the if the neck feels good, the body feels right, Right. then, hey, all the more power. I mean, you've just turned it into a, mach- a great machine, and still for less money, still for less money than you'll pay for even a midline, much less a top-end Fender. Anyway, that's, that's nice. so this guy talking shit about the German, I just looked at my wife, and I just shook my head. And I was like, "Are you freaking serious? Did you not sit he was there?" Probably a drummer, but we he saw- was he was one of those guys, just like we uh, guitar players. Yeah, but, I could have done it. But better. we saw everybody on stage have equipment problems, but the drummer held it all together. And yeah. like he's playing stuff that's uh, listen. Phil Collins was not a slouch. Go listen to Brand X. Oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. my God, that guy could play drums like nobody's business. But he didn't yep. do it on every record because it was tasteless. Like he knew right. like there was a context where that kind of playing was, this is where we're going to do this. It's going to be done over here. And then this, this other stuff is going to be tasty and like fit everything and do a good job. That's why he's able to make pop music that like sold right. billions of records because he was yep. not stupid. Like he understood that there was a time and place for things. And he's a very, very like sophisticated songwriter in that regard. Um, and actually like I, if you want, if you want me to get, Really granular. I think uh um I think like some of Phil's music on his own is just incredible. Um there was a oh. there was a quote from a movie, I'm gonna read it to you about Phil. Um What's the album that he put out right after his divorce? He was kind of writing it during his divorce. Uh I don't know. I, I don't know which one that is. Oh, that was the first one. That was face value. Just has his face. Face that was face value, value. Face yeah. Value. Um, that is that is one incredible album. If you buy a Phil Collins album, that's a great album to buy. I'm glad you're buying me some time because I got to look this up. There's I, a famous quote from a movie. I think he played most of the instruments on that album, if I can remember correctly. Um, he was playing most of the instruments on there, and he did the vocals. 
Uh, that's the one that's got in the air tonight and that stuff. Yes. Yeah. It had uh, songs like in the air tonight and against all odds, but I also think Phil Collins works best within the confines of the group and is a solo artist. And I stress the word artist. This is a studio, a great, great song, a personal favorite. That's a, that's a quote from American psycho. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's so, so funny. Um, you know, uh, so studio is, is a jam. Uh, if you're not familiar, I suggest you go listen to it. But don't don't go watch American Psycho unless you're prepared to see some incredibly vile stuff going on oh, in that yeah. movie. That's, that's that's not a movie for the light of heart. Um, <laughs> the question was in the air tonight. Who doesn't know that song? Let me tell you, <clears throat> in the air knows tonight that song is one of those songs that um, people that don't know how to play it don't do it well because most people play it and they think, oh, it's just a straight. Four four type thing, and it is not, and it is really almost, really almost not, well. Yeah, go ahead. so so this is something that this a little uh, uh, unknown fact about that band, and this is becoming the Genesis, not really gig report, the Genesis report. Yeah, um, <laughs> there's a there's a maybe we'll do an episode where we can talk about our favorite artists and things we know about them because I'm sure we know shit that like other people, because because yeah. you and I tend to get way too deep on everything, um, nitty gritty, but like. Um, the face value record, all the songs that were on face value, they were offered yeah. to Genesis and they turned them down. Genesis yeah. was like a couple of the songs and Phil claims he doesn't know which ones anymore. He doesn't remember, but yeah. you know, damn well, he knows which ones actually did make it on the Genesis self-titled record. Right. And that they said, well, you can keep those other ones. It's no big deal. And that was right. in the air tonight was one of them. He said, I know that was one of them. They passed on that. But it's funny because if you think about it, In the Air Tonight and Mama from Genesis Self-Titled. Oh, God. They're the same fucking song. And it's like, you know, everybody does. But like, listen, I mean, it's 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 they're like so, so like similar. Similar. Yeah. And it's it's very much the same like idea driving both of those songs and that's essentially what the phil collins genesis sound became right was yeah. like this big synthy synthy drum sound and like that whole like gated gated drum sound that was like uh it defined a genre i mean really yeah um that 80s uh pop a progressive pop when, sound when kenny aronoff was trying out for john mellencamp's band um and this would have been around uh-huh um they were doing Jack and Diane. Mm-hmm. So was that Melon? Was that John Cougar? Or was that uh huh? I want to. That's John Cougar. That's John Cougar. John Cougar. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he's trying out for the band, and John met it, the part that came up that everybody knows from Jack and Diane, the drum part. It was coming around, and he was like, he had one shot to. Yeah, he's like, I don't know what the hell to do down. here. I don't know what to do. And he came up with, he went, boom, 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 boom. He said, he just stole it right out of, he said, what would Phil Collins do? I mean, it was like, literally, that's what, what went Phil through do? his head. And he was like, yeah. And and he was doing In the Air Tonight. And if you listen to it, that's that big, huge drum thing. I mean, it's not the exact hits and fills, but that's what that was. And then I, like you said, it I had already solidified what people were going to do um, going forward with when they had those little drum fills they had to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, everybody, 
in YYZ or you were Phil Collins. Actually, you know what's funny is I always think he gets that quote wrong because the because if you listen to it, that drum fill is the first drum part, like where physical drums play in uh, Mama. It is literally the yeah. same beat. Yeah. If you listen to it, like it's, I think he I think he he, he misquotes it honestly he, when he when he does the interview and he says that. Yeah, I think he might be referencing the more popular song just so that it's easier for people to. Yeah, um, like you can follow the trail, but if you listen to Breadcrumbs, like you'll you'll get there. Um, so yeah, I, I I just think that this like there's a there's a mode in music today that's not being explored for classic rock specifically, but like yeah. the performance art side of it and the recreation of it. That's why tribute bands are a thing. So yeah. we know about Nick's tribute band, um, Kiss his yeah, Kiss band, Kiss. like tribute band. That's the same interview. thing, right? Yeah. They're trying yeah. to recreate the experience because the experience is part of the music. Yeah. So that, and instead of being something off the wall like Little Kiss and stuff like that, he creates that his band recreates Kiss. I mean that that's awesome. If I'm ever he built up a, that way, he built a drum lift. I'm God going, damn it! <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see that band. Um, I was mentioning that at, at rehearsal the other day. I was like, you know, guys, I know someone that their band literally built a hydraulic lift kit just so they could do the kiss thing. And they were like, that would be cool. <laughs> we need that. Yeah. Uh, it, we it's have to, a we lot have more challenging than you that. think. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But building it, that would be the. I. I uh, so I wanted to circle back on all of this. So we, we talked it. We did the Genesis report. Um Let's let's circle back and let's talk about something different. So do you think that part of the reason, and then we'll we'll end the episode on this thought. Maybe you guys can talk about it in the comments, but Jim and I'll do a brief. Yeah, please. But like, do you think that some of the reason why young people don't go to concerts anymore is because of the death of performance? I think it might be. Because you know, you know, all right, so there's a TV show right now, all right, going on that is uh Lizzo. Am I saying that right? Yeah. So she's a very talented singer. Um, and she's looking for backup dancers. Mm -hmm. And I was I was talking to my son about it the other day. And they they're doing like a reality show to to do it. It's kind of American Idol esque type thing, or so you'd want to dance or whatever it is. And or so you think you dance. Um and I found it interesting only because I mean I've never saw the show again. I don't really watch TV. It's not because I wouldn't watch it or wouldn't would enjoy it. It's just, but she's bringing performance to her art because she knows it's important that you don't just stand there and sing, you mm -hmm. know. And she's always been a very performance-oriented artist too. Yeah, um, and I think I I know people hate the the content of her music, but like she knows how to perform. Um, hey, I, I, I think her, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, the one that was famous for the, the sharks on stage. What the heck's her name? Uh, uh, Katy Perry. Katy Perry. Katie Hudson. Um, <laughs> Katy Perry. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that that's, that's something that people miss. And, you know, so with my band, and I'll, I'll, I'll end my part with this. With my band... Um, the the guy that's in charge of the band decided that he was going to bring a look and a feel to the band. And at first I wanted to say, listen, I'm not going to jump in that bandwagon, but I got to be honest, it sets us apart. 
and we really do have that performance side of things. Um, and it adds just that little thing to my part of the performance, which you know I'm not a stand there shoecasing guitar player. And so um, I think that's a that's a part of of what makes what sets us apart from the other bands that are in the area. Um, and uh, when it comes to the bigger acts, obviously the Lizzo's, the Katy Perry's, the Post Malone's, the Kanye West, you've got to bring something. And you've got to bring it hard. Because not everybody can be the Eagles and just stand there, shoe guys, and do Hotel California. Or creating music players that don't mean anything. Right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. All right. I mean, seriously, that's what it is. And, and unfortunately... Or fortunately, TikTok is what, I mean, we bring it right full circle. TikTok is what brings that to the forefront. That is performance. And though it's only a minute, it's performance within a song. Okay. All right. I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been Practical Guitars. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Like, subscribe, and uh, find us on social media. Join the Discord. The uh, notes will be in the uh, the lower part of this thing. Probably later. I haven't put them in yeah. there yet. So whenever it posts after this. Yeah, yeah you can check days. one of our old videos. It's in there too. So it's cool. Uh yeah. All right. We've been practical guitars. Good night. Night.